0: are going to get into our top tens of the year um we have not uh we don't know well i know aiden looked at johnny's box, so he knows what's well, on his list he might have
1: rearranged it that's so, true
0: yeah so now we really don't know down. for sure not you dare <laughs> i don't know
2: anybody's i don't know anybody's yeah. going into this blind
0: i think i'm the most surprising not to tip my hand and maybe one thing i think Cause if I had to rank us, cause John, you, I, you have the least amount of stuff on Letterbox in general, mm. so like it's harder for me to rank where you stand. But I would say that Aiden, you are the hardest to impress. I hope this doesn't sound like a like a you know jab, but I would say you're the harder to impress out of the four of oh, us. Yeah, like no, when yeah. you like rating movies and stuff. And I, I don't know where John fits in between Johnny and I, but I think I'm harder to impress a little bit more than Johnny because I know you have. <laughs> I've looked at, like, on our letterbox, you can just see, like, how you rate things, and I seem to have more, like, three and a half is my highest average rating, and I have, like, 50 or 52 five-star movies, and, like, not that much more than four and a half, so, like, and this isn't jabbing anyone, but I'm just, it was curious looking at and trying to forget (laughs) some of your... The movie ratings you gave, ratings you gave to some of these 2020 releases, and I was like, "Oh, because you guys actually give higher scores for certain movies in general." Like, I gave every movie four stars and only one four and a half. And I know you guys have given multiple four and a halves or a five. Oh, much easier you're to given, impress. I'm much no, easier you're given to impress.
1: Two
0: in oh shit! You're right. You're right. You're right. I spoiler. I didn't include the uh, Justice League: Apocalypse War. I hmm. was like. It is good. I did give it four and a half. I was like, I don't, maybe I was like, is this, is this the same? I I don't know. <laughs> but that was very fun. I did really um, okay. love that. And I
1: definitely know, you. I know, th- I know, I think I know everyone's number oh, one. Oh, that's but-
0: what you were talking about the thing. Oh, okay. Yep. Damn. Then you know my number one. Then. So
3: I, I, mean, I know
1: John's, I know Johnny's
3: too. I'll say that, um, It was, surprisingly, I liked most of the movies from last year, and like out of the 59 movies I watched, only six of them I gave below a two and a half, um, Mm -hmm. which means I disliked them. But yeah, four stars is usually my thing. I will say, this is the first year ever that I did not have a five-star movie.
0: For your number one. Yeah, me either. This is the first time since I started ranking in like 2012. This is so weird for me.
2: I got a lot of four stars. A lot of fours. A lot of... Decent amount of four and a halves, I and have, I have a lot of three fives. and a halfs. Oh, sorry.
3: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Weirdest thing? Weirdest thing? Well, I I am the most hard to impress. I have my my most common rating is two and a half. Weirdest thing is I have two five stars. I couldn't believe it. I have uh six four and a half stars,
4: mm.
1: and like I think like seven eight stars. That's how shocked. Five? Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was like, I holy shit! I don't know what your uh order is going to be for, especially, um, John, I know you give given a lot of four and a half stars. So I'm like, I, I don't know what the order is going to be at all. Um, but I guess I'll, cause I already told you guys, but I guess for the audience. So basically how it's going to go, um, we're going to split this up into chunks. So like if Johnny went first, uh, he's going to do his 10 through seven and then like maybe Aiden goes next and then me or John or whatever. Um, and then we're going to do, so we're going to do 10 through seven, uh, we're going to do uh, six through, I already, <laughs> I already forgot. Through six through four? four. Yeah, thanks. Mm. Um, Three and two, and then we're going to do our number ones. And so we are going to uh, talk about them all at once, uh, like a movie. So like if John, say, had, uh, I don't know, the social network at number 10, and I had it within two, so if I had it, you know, eight, or nine. Um, we would talk about then if no one else had it on our list, but say John has social network at 10, I had it at eight, but Aiden had it at like four. Then I would just say punt. Um, well, I wouldn't say punt. We would talk about then unless someone else had it on their list since I was within two. And then Aiden would say a punt because he's more than two away from me. So that's how this is going to work. Um, I guess, uh, and then we're going to do the honorable mentions afterwards, so you don't have any idea what we're going to do. Um, oh, and I forgot. We never did this. Uh, movies that we just didn't see. We can do that right now, real quick. All right. Who should go first? Uh I anyone ready? I'm, yeah, I'm ready. I have a list. You can go ahead.
1: Uh, okay. Aiden, you want to go? Um. There might be more than this, but this is just on the list that I have. Is um, French Exit, which I've heard mixed things about, but it feels like a movie that I might like. Um, the Climb, which uh, I totally missed. It was in theaters. I just chose. I just, I, I was choosing between other movies, and I, you know, I chose between that and Hillbilly Elegy, and I will probably regret that till the day I die. Um, and then uh the, the biggest one I think for all of us is The Father with uh, mm. Anthony Hopkins.
0: Yeah. Well, February releases this year. So,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I have a long list because uh, I didn't quite get to see everything that else that you guys got to see. I, I still haven't seen Tenant. Um, I missed it in theaters, oh. and you know I'm gonna have to watch it at home on my TV or something, just like Christopher Nolan intended eventually. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's gonna fucking kill you! <laughs> uh, David Burns' American Utopia. I really want to watch. Uh, Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President, looked pretty fun. Uh, Crip Camp documentary, uh, my friend Brendan Tyler recommended to me. First Cow, I somehow never saw, still. Um, big Kelly Reichardt fan, so I will see it eventually. Color Out of Space, which I just, it's H.P. Lovecraft and it's Nicolas Cage. So, uh, Oh, and Richard Stanley, so no matter how okay it might be, I still need to watch it. Uh, Let Them All Talk, I guess a Steven Soderbergh movie came out.
4: i I didn't know
3: about it till like two days ago uh one night miami did not see yet swallow i didn't see another round i didn't see big fan of uh the hunt not last year's the hunt but the hunt by same director is another round yeah thomas vinterberg Vinterberg. the hunt is amazing yeah so jesus i'll definitely see it eventually ammonite aiden's favorite movie of all time <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> I'll, I'll watch that eventually, and then I only watched one of the small axes. I watched uh, the second one, um, uh, lovers, lovers, rock. lovers rock, which was very good. So I will watch the rest of them eventually. Did
1: mm. you finish it? Did you finish it in Degua?
0: I was so cl- I needed time. I knew it to like figure out my list. I I missed the last or the second to last one. Uh, Alex Weedle or Weddle. I
1: know. Why is it? I don't know why everyone's watching them out of order. I watched them. Yeah. I watched them all in well, order.
0: Well, and Degua told so, me that I should watch
3: either. Uh, uh, he he recommended Mangrove. He recommended Mangrove and Lovers Rock, and Mangrove was you know like an hour longer. <laughs> so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Lovers Rock, like seventy minutes. Hell yeah!
2: And so that's all <laughs> yeah. I nah. I mean, pretty much the same for me as Johnny. I, I missed most of the lovers, uh, not most of the small axes, but I saw Mangrove and Lovers Rock. Um, I mean, see, I don't have like a list prepared, but I mean, I missed a lot of movies that I still do want to see. Ammonite being one of them. I do really like Kate Winslet, obviously from my love of Titanic that we already know of, and Saoirse Ronan from my love of Brooklyn, which some people may know of. Um, I'm crush that
0: hope later. <laughs>
2: uh, and the so, host Saoirse Sharonan of The Host I
0: still can't believe she bounced back from that that's all I wanted to yeah. say it still blows my mind <laughs> thank god for her agent I guess
2: I just blocked it I just blocked that away <laughs> that's, that's just a way Saoirse you know I still dig it um, but yeah no those are the movies that I guess I wanted to see
1: you know most of those Stephanie Meyer actors kind of bounce back Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson.
2: Anna and
1: they kind of bounced back. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Kendrick. Really?
0: Oh, yeah. Most I, of them uh, bounced back. <laughs> yeah. I, um, the only one I can really think off the top of my head, I, I mean, there's – a lot of smaller ones that didn't really get like a lot of people didn't really love. So I just didn't see them. Um, but all the top of my head, really, I know like you guys all knew about this and i never had heard of it. Um, the kid detective, I didn't end up seeing, um, I didn't end up seeing the one. I think you said Stacey Keish is in it. Unless this is a different movie. Oh, Survival skills. Yes. I didn't see that one. And I did want to see get duped I didn't see that. I felt, terrible because I saw the trailer and I was like, oh f- I forgot about that. And then I, I didn't end up seeing it. But that's really the only ones I missed. Obviously, there's so many movies in February, but I saw some of these movies at festivals um um that I was I lucky enough to know existed. <laughs> um but yeah uh I guess we can go let's see uh I, my screen I'll just go how it's sorted. So you want to do let's do Aiden then Johnny john and then i'll go last Worst so, yeah. for first all right aiden what is your number 10 movie of 2020
1: okay so i'll say um no no okay so yeah number t- there was i like, i had two that i was like really fighting for over of what number 10 was going to be but i ended up going with uh um, Lawrence Michael Levine's Black uh, Black Bear. Why'd you give it up? Acting. I didn't. I think people sort of stopped hiring me,
2: maybe. But I'm actually happier doing what I'm doing. At least now I can eat cookies
1: sometimes. With Opry Claws and Christopher Abbott and Sarah Gaddon. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't like the poster. I thought the poster was... I, I don't know.
0: Is that... Uh... Real quick, is that on anyone else's list? No, no, not mine. Oh, me either. Okay, go ahead. Okay,
1: all right. Um, so I didn't know anything about it going in. I've always like liked Arby Plaza, but I've like never truly gotten the hype. I wasn't in love with "Anger Goes West," um, and I've always kind of seen her as April Ludgate from Parks and Rec, and so I and I really I enjoyed her in actually Happiest Season but I've never like actually truly got that appreciation love that everyone got for her for anger goes West. But this movie, one of the best performances of the year. Um, I won't spoil I, I, I we are no spoilers, but I honestly won't even give like a plot description. Cause I think it's best to go in. It's one of those movies go going, don't know anything about it. I'd agree. Um, it's yeah. I don't, I don't want to dwell on this one too long just because it's, you know, it's, it's a movie that I think we can all agree, you know, go into that completely blind, yeah. but um, truly three, three powerhouse performances from the lead three. Um, although I liked the first half, probably more than the second half, that does not diminish the fact that the second half was still really great and had a lot of great moments in it. And I, yeah, I was really surprised that it, it yeah, it, it takes a turn and it's really it's unexpected and you kind of like are confused by it but you're it's very it's very much welcome for me
4: mm-hmm. and
1: i know mm-hmm. i think all of us i think did all of us like it
3: yeah i yes. loved it i really did okay it's my number 13
0: yeah. so it was close <laughs> but yeah.
1: yeah um yeah that yeah, was I the yeah
0: like- i think that was all and i'm a big fan myself of uh um, Ingrid Goes West, yeah, but this to me by far is Aubrey Plaza's best work. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this. I agree. Don't go in knowing anything, um, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And yeah, she incredible performance. I mean, I can just imagine how taxing emotionally this must have been. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: this movie. I think if 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 you had to li- if you if you were to like take word like words in a dictionary and replace them with movies. Mm-hmm. I think you could replace passive aggressive <laughs> with uh, the definition of passive aggressive with uh, with the copy of the copy of Black Bear. Yeah. Because holy shit this movie just makes you go, oh my god! These people are complete assholes. And you, but, you
3: understand every character so quickly oh, yeah. too. It's it was so well written. There's like one thing, I, and I'll obviously without spoiling it, but a lot of characters are introduced at one point in the movie, and you all like in like a couple of minutes, you get what they're all about, and you get each one and their own quirks and, every, and it, with in very little time, and it was really impressive. I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah even with the, even with the main three i was like you instantly instantly know their connection within <laughs> like each of their first lines with each other you're like i know how ari plaza thinks in of christopher abbott's character i know christopher abbott thinks of sarah gaddon and i know how sarah gaddon thinks of ari plaza within the first line which is so i think what's genius about the writing and that's it's one of my favorite screenplays of the year it's a very screenplay heavy movie um but yeah it's um. Yeah, I think it's a debut. I think it's a feature debut. One of the most. Imp- it's probably one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive, feature debut of the year. I. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, Black Bear.
0: It's uh, right? yeah, not it's streaming. Not. It's just on VOD right now. But yeah, VOD right. Definitely now. worth uh checking out. It was very very good. Most um, definitely.
1: What is your number nine? um my number nine is probably a hot take maybe i don't know uh i'm the one that liked this i'm i know it's not on any of your list christmas chronicles
3: 2 or something
1: christmas chronicles (laughs) she's back baby um (laughs) snatched Um, okay my number nine is a movie that johnny does not like it is called mank
4: Herman Mankiewicz,
2: New York playwright and drama critic, turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hurst. Why? No need to be humble, Mr. Mankiewicz. Pictures that talk of the future.
4: They're going to need people who honor words. Give them voice.
1: Directed by David Fincher. I don't know why I like oh, this movie. Oh, shit! It made a list! <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thing is, is that I was going into this and I was like, I got to watch this because it's an Oscar movie. and. that's not i'm wearing an oscar shirt can't see it um i have an unhealthy love for the oscars even though they're complete bullshit we all know it
4: but i like it still
1: um yeah um mank i just watched it because i was like i know it's gonna get a bunch of nominations so i may as well see what it's gonna be like i like i love obviously citizen kane and i was like interested to see about that and it was like and I, I was really surprised by it. It's on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. Um, it's about the guy who wrote uh, Citizen Kane, Herman J. Mankiewicz. And it's kind of an exploration of the politics of 1930s Hollywood, which I think is actually pretty interesting because I've seen like Chaplin, but I think that was, I think that took place earlier. I don't know, but I, that's probably like one of the only movies I've seen from like that era of Hollywood about that area um, but it was really really intriguing I I think that like I, we were talking about this is that like I felt that this movie was one of the least David Fincher movies that I've seen. I haven't seen all of his movies but I think that we can all agree that he has a sort of like grit that like is very signature with him and I think that's apparent in like Mind Hunter social network Gone Girl um fight club seven and even benjamin button to an extent is kind of like it's kind of got some grit even though that's a kind of like a magical movie but this one i feel like it's i think it's an homage to his dad and i think that's kind of sweet is that he made this movie probably the way that his dad would have wanted it to be made and i think it's kind of it's kind of cute and i i think i think it's kind of cute it's maybe not the best you know not the best written movie david Fincher's directed but I think it's kind of a, I think it's an homage to his father and their love for their shared love for the movies. And um, yeah. What anyone else want to chime in?
3: Um, well, I guess maybe I should say what I didn't like about the movie. Um, I, I almost, so I gave it two stars at first and then I bumped it to two and a half because it felt weird to put it behind Hubie Halloween. Uh, so (laughs) I, I changed it and and like, like, I mean, like it, it is like a very entertaining movie. I was never bored. I thought all the performances were good. Uh, Amanda Seyfried was like fun and, um, there's some fun bickering scenes and stuff, but I just thought, like, uh, I, I don't know, I, like, as somebody who also loves Citizen Kane and loves movies, I think it's like, well, the movie barely has anything to do with Citizen Kane, so that kind of doesn't really... And when it does have to do with Citizen Kane, I thought it was frankly like kind of embarrassing. Like, there's moments of like something happens. Solo, like, solo. Right. Yes. It was like solo. Like, where did he get his blaster? Like, something happens and Mank's like, oh, that could go in the movie. And it was it was like I was watching like Walk Hard a Dewey Cox story when he's like, th- he's <laughs> Phenomenal like, movie. I'm going to walk <laughs>
1: hard. Yeah. Exactly. We, but the- <laughs> let's, let's do the, let's do a walk hard talk. You can't
3: handle the walk <laughs> hard <plot. laughs> like, Yeah, there is that. I thought Gary Oldman was miscast because, you know, um, he's supposed to be, like, 40. And I love Gary Oldman. He's a great actor. But, like, he also seems, like, tired and disheveled and drunk the whole time. But Mink is supposed to be, like, a popular man that people are attracted to, uh, which didn't quite – he should have been closer in age to some of the younger actors. Um, The politics are very interesting, but I don't think that they – mesh well cohesively like this whole fake news story doesn't really like there's this clash with orson wells that's kind of pushed onto the sidelines and i also think there's an unfair portrayal of orson wells but that's a whole different thing i don't need to jump to orson wells uh defense he, he's you know he's he's deified in history but yeah i just um uh a lot of it didn't hit i also thought it was ugly like an ugly movie um i'm sorry i keep bashing this movie <laughs> but it's like it, he's going for a 1940s style so there's like bad audio and it's in black and white and uh but then it's also shot in widescreen and there's like clear cgi moments and it's clearly shot on digital um, and then there's just a lot of very modern shots, but then he has like the fake change reel thing in the corner. It just seemed yeah. <laughs> it clashed a lot and I just didn't I was like, why why even do that? Why not just make a normal movie? <laughs> it was probably my least least favorite David Fincher
0: movie I've seen. And I've seen Alien Three. So <laughs> Yeah, for me I guess it yeah wow. I guess I it would have to be for me right now almost. I mean, I think I gave it a gave it a three or a three and a half, but yeah, I I I got go most of uh, what Johnny says. I mean, I I kind of do think it looks good. I guess mostly, actually. Um, I guess we differ there. I personally just was not aware of so much uh, of what it was talking about, so I was just lost. Mm. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna have to watch this again, maybe with subtitles, because I was just I don't know if I was tired, but I was just confused what was happening in some scenes so i just didn't understand and like the flashbacks i thought that was clear like i kind of liked the flashbacks how they were set up but i was confused what kind of was going on at times and then i just didn't care all that much (laughs) and it was weird like i big david fincher fan i just even heath um um loves, loves this time period, like in movies and stuff. And I saw him in Meyer the other day. He even said I was confused about some of the references. And that's when I knew. Okay, so it's not just me. Like even Heath is like, I don't know what the hell some of this is. <laughs> so
2: yeah, John, I cause you did you, you saw Mink, right? Yeah, I saw Mink. I really enjoyed Mink to be honest. I thought that I mean, talk about heavily heavily screenplay based movies. This like this was it. It was a very, very heavily screenplay screenplay based movie i thought gary oldman was really good i thought like you know the performances as a whole were really good the problem that i had with it most was like it is the least david fincher movie that david fincher's ever made it's not anything like his normal stuff it strays away and tries to do something new which i like but i didn't like i it ended up falling a little bit short in terms of like i don't know how to explain it i i when Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers movie came out, I was, like, really excited for Hail. Like, I was really excited for that. And the movie kind of had the same feel as Make for Me, where it kind of just, like, went on and on and on, and I didn't care that much. And it kind of just, like, lost me. And that's why, like, you know, it just, it did just lose me. And then by the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, well, it's over. I mean, I kind of wanted it to be a lot better. But I still liked it, and I still enjoyed it.
1: This is the second podcast in a row where you guys have mentioned *Hail Caesar*, <laughs> and I, that's the most traction this movie ever gotten.
3: Truly, yeah. yeah. until it gets its Criterion release, obviously. Um, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, I can, can I? I don't know about if you guys thought this, but I thought it was kind of badly written in that there's a lot of sh- there's a lot of show don't tell moments where I'm like I'm, I want him to show and not tell like they spend so much time talking about how great Citizen Kane is. And I know it's great. Cause I've seen Citizen Kane, but the movie doesn't make the case for why this is his magnum opus, you know? And it's like, it's just a lot of moments of like, wow, it's really good. It's the best thing I've ever written. Um, and I just didn't feel that. Like I didn't feel that this was such an important thing to him and that it was it, that it was that good. And all I'm saying is, it's great that David Fincher loved his dad. I think that's great. Uh, it's very cute. Uh, difference between his dad and us is his dad didn't have to watch the movie and we did. So, damn. <laughs> sorry, that was <laughs> me. Mo-
0: that was I will, mo- mo- that, that was mo- the mo- 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 end of a review. I will God say damn.
2: that. Uh, <laughs> I will say that the brother in Mank, like Mank's brother in the movie, the actor that plays him, um, he, like I had seen him in one thing other than this, and that's Ozark Iron. on Netflix. Oh, it's the oh. Iron Fist. <laughs> and he is phenomenal in Ozark. Like he is so good in that show, it's like kind of ridiculous how good he is. And in this I mean obviously in this movie he doesn't really have that type of character, not even that much like screen time, but still I have I do have to recommend Ozark cuz that guy can fucking act in that show.
3: I want to issue an apology to the Fincher family that was very
2: uncalled for on my part. I, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> the Finchers are listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um so on, on on to eight and seven.
1: <laughs> oh no
2: eight <laughs> or not eight.
1: Now we're into the four and a halfs. Okay. Number eight is a movie that I think I'm the only person I think I'm the person that liked I'm thinking I'm the biggest fan of this movie that this movie has. Is uh number eight is American an American pickle.
0: Can I give you something to drink? Macadamia milk or there's cashew milk. I got pea milk. They're milking peas now. They're milking everything these days, dude. You name it, they're milking it. I got mint tea. I have uh, kombucha. Oh, shit! The it's Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen movie,
2: right? It
1: Seth made Rogen. it! Oh, and my God. I I don't know why I watched this movie. Um, I think I heard that Simon Rich wrote this. And Simon Rich created uh, Man Seeking Woman, which is a really good show on FX. And he created Miracle Workers, which is a really good show on... Um, tbs and he was right around snl and he worked a lot with john mulaney and he was friend him and john mulaney and another writer were really good friends so like he's a really good writer um i don't know why i watched this movie it, it didn't seem like anything that i would like i don't like pickles at all um <laughs> and like i'm kind of hit or miss on seth rogan movies but honestly it's, it's i think it's my favorite straight-up comedy of the year it's my favorite straight-up comedy of the year it is so so my humor so it's dry bits with mixed with like great editing and like a really, really well cut together jokes. And um, it was like, it's, it's, it's got that dry wit. It's got that just absurdist weird humor that I love Seth Rogen. Maybe, maybe my favorite, maybe one of my favorite performances of the year as both characters. Cause he is, he is so good. He's, I forget, I think we all forget because we all think of him as like, you know, the funny weed guy with the funny laugh. But he's, he's truly one of the great comedic, he's probably one of, the, if not the greatest currently working comedic actor. Like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of Long Shot, he's still great in that movie. And, you know, he's a great right like he great, he's great in Superbad, he's great in This Is The End, he's great in a lot of movies. Sometimes he just doesn't get a good script. But here know. he gets a great script. And it's, I don't know, it's just like, it's a weird, quirky little comedy. And, you know, it feels like an indie movie and I like indie comedies and I just love, yeah, it's, it's got enough absurdist, weird, magical humor that I like. And it's also got a lot of like, I, I don't know, it's got really good. It's, it has really, you know, I don't know what, pe- you know, people are kind of hit and miss on cancel culture, but I think this movie talks about cancel culture in the funniest way. I was, la- I was crying laughing because it was so funny. Um, but, yeah, it has a really great bit about that. It's Yeah, I don't know. I just really, really enjoy it. It was fun. Yeah,
0: I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. I don't think we as much as you did. Uh, I don't think the other two of you either. Uh, the Johns, I haven't seen it. I, um, di- I didn't watch it. No, I didn't oh, watch okay.
1: it. Oh, so okay. It's just me. It's definitely good. Recommend.
0: Yeah, I, I think I recommend it to you. I, I liked
2: it. I, I just didn't. Um,
1: I, mean, I love it's
0: it.
2: It's got Seth Rogen. And yeah,
1: but it, it I mean, was you know, a pickles. fun time.
2: I'm a pickle fan. I like pickles too. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree.
1: It makes you horny for him. That should be.
2: I don't. I don't need help. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I got brine all day. Uh, Eden, what is your number seven? All
1: right. number seven. Um, let me know if anyone has this possessor.
0: I got possessor. Um, hold on. Let me look at exactly what number. This is your number seven. Um, so okay. Well, I my that's not my number ten. So John, is that within two? It is. Of yes,
2: me or him? No, it's two within Aiden.
0: Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> let's wait. We can wait. Yeah, let's wait. Let's wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so then we will talk about that movie later. Johnny, what is your number 10? Uh, so I thought very hard about this. There's a very close number 11, but my
3: number 10 is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. God, they're
0: saying that it's a big bear, big jaw. No, it's a man.
3: When do I get to be right about something? But canine's lower mandible. That's what they're get saying. Get him on the phone. I'm not listening to I got him on the phone.
0: I'm telling you what they're saying. Hey, you can't park that here. You can't park that here. We need you 500 feet away at least. The crime scene. Just park up Elm Street
3: directed by Jim Cummings. I have not yet seen Thunder Road, but I intend to. Uh, it's just, it was, I thought it was, I, I'm so attracted to movies about like uh, a friendly small town atmosphere, kind of plagued by some kind of darkness, which is like, you can see that in Fargo. You can see that in Twin Peaks, you know, like it, it's just something I've always enjoyed. And that's in the movie. It's so, it's got that quirky sense of humor, uh that's kind of like very offbeat and you sometimes can't tell if it's being funny or not which i really like um has robert Forster's last performance um which i think is important he's great in the movie uh jim cummings is very good he's very funny uh ricky lindholm is very good in the movie too uh it was the first like big Role I've ever seen from her in a movie. And um, very good tension at the end, too. Like, it's overall, it's got, like, it's still very cinematic. It's got a great snowy atmosphere, which I love. And in the final few minutes, there's a moment with a certain song playing. And the song is used so perfectly uh, with the scene. I just, I, that was, like, the moment where I was like, oh, yeah, this is one of my favorites. Like, it clicked for me. Uh, there's also a great moment at the end where there is a somebody looks at something you don't know what they're looking at and then it cuts to something else which reveals what they're looking at in the final scene and that was like one of my favorite moments of any movie last year so is that was that on anyone else's
2: list I oh. didn't watch it unfortunately
1: I, I saw it it was I saw it in theaters it
0: was good yeah I missed out it. I I'm gonna check it out yeah I, I heard like good things. I'm definitely gonna check it out yeah but yeah all right cool What's your number nine?
3: My number nine is Boys State. Back there. Uh,
2: we would like to present uh, abortion and succession. I'm sorry. secession, secession will not make the agenda. Secession. I motion to secede and legally call this Boys
3: Nation. We can't secede. <laughs> um, does anyone else have that on theirs? No, no. Okay, <laughs>
0: I missed out on this one as well. Is it
1: supposed to be on your list in or No, did it make no, the cut? No, did it, it
0: didn't the cut? make the cut. It' so good though. Just go. Ooh. I fucking will join you, Johnny. Fucking <laughs> go.
3: Uh, well, uh, Andegua has a, has a uh, uh, an infamous review of this movie on the Letterbox Groups, where he said, and I quote, "This documentary slaps," <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what made me want to watch it. To be completely honest with you, I was like, okay, it looked interesting. So I my family finally got Apple TV Plus, and I was like, I'm gonna hop on that. And so I watched it, and it's incredible. It's so it's like a perfect documentary, I think, in the way that it's. Very, like, cinema verite. That's a very, sorry, that's a, uh, pompous word for me to use, but.
0: <laughs> I said the same thing in my review too. Like, uh, so I saw Hey, we're pompous boys. Like,
3: the way that it's just, <laughs> you're just following these guys and, uh, the movie doesn't necessarily have political leanings itself, but the politics mean a lot to the movie. Um, it's engrossing. I was so invested in this fictional, um, uh, this election that's happening, election. the, the characters, the people we're following are fascinating. There is an amputee character who is like, you know, he's, he's, you have, I had so many mixed emotions. Like in a lot of ways, I didn't like him, but also I like respected him, <laughs> you know, and the movie had, I think it, it doesn't, it's not overt with what it has to say. It's not like a Michael Moore documentary or anything, but you walk away with feelings about the state of our political systems and what they're, you know what they're destined to do, and you feel kind of sad, but it's so invigorating, and it's such a funny documentary too. There's a lot of like legitimately funny moments. Um, so, but yeah, that was one of my
0: favorites. Yeah, I, yeah, it was a completely engrossing documentary. Like, it's it's so fun because at first, like on surface, like personally for me, I was like. All right, so we're just, this is a documentary about a bunch of 17 year old boys (laughs) in Texas going to build a representative government over a week. Yeah, that's going to be so fun. But it really is like they choose, like they chose like this, like a great few characters. And then we start following another character that wasn't even a part of the documentary at first. Yeah. um, And Renee, a great character. Renee's fan. Um, Renee needs to be a real politician. yeah. Yeah. Honestly, and Steven Garza, yes. oh my fucking god. He re- yeah. he honestly represents so much of what I wish politicians and if I have yeah. which I will not ever <laughs> run for any office, um would want to be. Like he it can understand the other side cuz he knows like you can't just you can't get progress with shutting people out cuz that he, like that yeah. was the most fascinating part of the documentary to me
3: is that Stephen Garza is a very progressive Democrat in, in Texas. And he makes that clear at the beginning yeah. that he's like he's a fan of Bernie Sanders and stuff. But he's, And he knows that he's surrounded by very conservative Southern boys. And the way he walks this line to not abandon his own principles but still appeal to them was like really fascinating to watch. I thought that was so cool. And then you I, get...
0: Oh, sorry. You, you can go.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to talk about the same thing. I can't, remember his, I can't remember his name, but he's like, uh, some, he's like a white guy or whatever. I can't remember his name. but he's I know like, who you're talking about. <laughs> you follow him. I mean, he's one of the characters that you follow. Towards, more towards the beginning of the first half of the movie. Oh, you start
3: thinking like the, the but, skater dude, type, like the guy with the long hair? <laughs> skater dude. Yeah, yeah. baseball
1: boy. Yeah. <laughs> baseball looking guy. But um, I think a moment that just has stood out to me is that he... We, there's this moment in during like the caucuses or whatever yeah. where he, he's like you know a hundred thousand babies are murdered every year blah 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 and then it does a hard cut to him doing like a like an office style um whatever talking commentary head. thing and he's like talking head and he's like i don't even believe this shit i'm just yeah. doing what i can to do this and i'm like this is like And it was so crazy because he's like, yeah, he's like, if I said my real opinions on abortion, I'd be kicked out of this place. And it's just like, you see like the sides, like Steven. Yeah. He walks that fine line of appeasing the people, but also sticking true to principles. Whereas you see this other character and he's like, he's doing whatever he can to succeed. Yeah. Even going beyond his own principles. So you see these different perspectives and there's I so saw. I was like, I was looking at through pictures on IMDb or whatever. And there's, I think, it, this movie premiered at Sundance last year, and there are pictures of like the kids together, and um, there's pictures of Renee and uh, the amputee, and I she had together, ben. and I'm like, oh yeah. fuck, that must have been awkward as hell.
3: <laughs> yeah, Ben Feinstein, yeah.
0: I think was a uh, legit. Great fucking name for be a politician. <laughs> I, I think oh, he's like.
1: like Oh, he's the worst in that movie. I yeah, know.
0: I love how it opens. Like his his house, he has a Ronald Reagan bobblehead, <laughs> and I was like, "This is going to be fun." Yeah. <laughs> this is because I, I think like one of the great things about this movie is it's like, especially if say you weren't from this country, like it really does show all the facets of American democracy. I mean, you got someone's trying to honestly. Uh, be progressive, and yeah, I guess he is a liberal, but he's trying to also respect the other side and try and get things done, and you have people who know like the politics is a dirty game, and I'm just going to play that fucking game as hard as fucking possible. You got people who are like, look, everyone lies, even though I believe this, this is what people want to hear, and I think, I do think if you are liberal, I feel like you will respect this movie more than you if you were conservative. But I still think you could watch this movie wherever your political leanings are and still come out enjoying it, enjoying it. Because I won't spoil the ending, um, but I was in tears. Um, oh, yeah. What happened with a certain character on the phone call yes. at the very end. I was like... <laughs> Wow, because I, mean, I felt so much for him because these are real people and it's weird, we're, you know, we're seeing characters, but like these are real people, yeah. and I was like, I, this, I love this movie so much, and it was so hard not to include it in my
1: list. What, yeah, what's what's funny is that like, I'm I'm the youngest one here on the podcast, and I am the I'm the exact same age as the kids. I'm the same. I was the same class that they were, class 2019. So like, it's kind of like I'm seeing like like almost peers like i'm seeing like that like that could have been me and i i don't know if i wrote a letterboxd review of it but i was like i would fucking hate this this would be (laughs) the worst experience of my life if i went to that
0: yeah. And girl state is uh, coming. I don't know
1: oh, why, is it really? but I think they just oh, really? I was saying yeah, I we
0: need a movie about girl
3: state.
1: I I, I yeah, want to see what that's like. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, because boy state's
0: that, in a lot of states. I don't know if it's in all the fifty states, but yeah. then there's also girl state where it's just girls. Um, yeah. within yeah. boy state is just boys. Oh, if god. that wasn't clear,
1: that, I don't know.
0: That'll be that'll be interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, there is yeah. the toxic masculinity element of boys' state <laughs> that I feel like will be missing from girls' state, right. but still I'm yeah. very interested
3: in that. Um, so my number eight is a movie called Kaithi. <laughs> Which I don't think anybody here saw. K A I T H I. It's an Indian film. It is it really surprised me. I rented it on iTunes. It was recommended by uh, Justin DeClue on The Important Cinema Club. I hadn't heard of it until he mentioned it. And it is uh, an incredible action movie. It's It takes – it's one of those like takes place in one night kind of movies, the classic style. It's essentially – it's about this guy who is a random – he's a prisoner. He just got out of jail and he – out of a series of events, he ends up with all these cops who have just been poisoned and they need to be brought to a hospital in under five hours and they're very far from the hospital. And so he needs to load them all up in the back of a truck because the only – police officer who hasn't been uh who hasn't been poisoned has his arm in a sling so they ask this prisoner to drive them and then on the way they have to evade the drug dealers and his and their and their Uh, the people they got working for him. And then they also have to – you're cross-cutting with a a small police station which houses all the drugs and there is only one police officer there and it's his first day and there are teenagers who just got arrested for drunk driving and they have to lock the place down and defend the drugs from the drug dealers trying to get in until they can be met by the cop in the sling. And there's all of these moving pieces that get set up and they're so – it's i love when like the first 20 minutes of the movie you just see things getting set up and you don't know where it's going quite yet and then it also has one of those moments where when the credits start and i had this experience also with the movie soul this year where the moment the title goes up you're like we haven't even gotten the opening credits yet (laughs) you know
2: yeah and so oh for sure
3: yeah and so the yeah it's it's a really a really cool movie it it has a couple of kind of Clunky, like Zack Snyder esque slow motion moments, but they're few and far between. It's kind of like the wages of fear meets the warriors meets assault on precinct 13. I would say this sounds hella interesting to me. Yeah, it sounds this great. sounds hella interesting to me. It's, I, uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I think you guys love it. Um, do, are we doing number seven? Ah, uh, uh, yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> number seven, I guess yeah, this is kind of a controversial one. Uh, uh, sometimes rarely, sorry <laughs> Never rarely, sometimes, always
4: What did the doctor say?
1: They couldn't really help me Why not?
4: I took a test What test?
0: Does anyone else have it on your list? Because I have it on my number five Hell no No <laughs> <laughs> Aiden is it on your list. That's. Uh, it was
1: close. It was close. Do you want okay. us to wait
0: for it to be on yours? Oh no, no. we can talk about it now. That's okay. that's within two of mine. That's my number five. So let's let's talk about this. Great. I, I want to hear John yeah, okay. first. I want to
1: hear why this <laughs> yeah. motherfucker hates this. Oh man.
0: <laughs> man. Oh yeah, and this is where the podcast died. No, <laughs> it's, be, it's be cool. Uh, <laughs> I'll let or yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, who gets opening statements?
3: That's the question.
0: <laughs> or I guess it's higher on mine. So you know what? I'll take this okay. one. Uh. Yes, um, this movie. This is the first uh best movie I saw of the year at the time. I think I saw this in May. This is the one of the two movies I paid $20 for the rent. Just I just wanted to support the filmmaker. Um, because I heard this really good. Um, and I did know what it was about. Um uh, I don't think this isn't a spoiler, it's about uh. Uh, And I think if (laughs) just as a warning, uh, if you do or do not support support uh, abortion, I still believe you could still enjoy this film. Um, But yeah, it's about this uh, girl from small town Pennsylvania who uh, wants to get an abortion and she can't in her area. So she goes with her cousin to uh, New York um, City Um, and yeah, it's just kind of like an odyssey of trying to just find help. And then you're just, it's, it's very quiet film. Um, I like for me, I think there's like three of the, of the quote slow cinema movies this year. It's mm. uh, first cow by Kelly Reichardt and nomad land by, um, Chloe Zhao. And then, yeah, Eliza hitman directed this movie. And also just want to say, I've said this to myself. I noticed this like maybe three, four years ago, how little female directors I knew by name and how many of their films I even saw, and I feel like I'm. This isn't for me. Like, yeah, I support female filmmakers. <laughs> but I honestly, I think just the fact that people know about these movies and that like we do have more female filmmakers is always just like a plus. And I mean, three of the best movies for people um, are made by women. At least these three. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great movie. It's it's I don't I, I saw I know John's thoughts and I saw um you know I know you liked it Aiden um you're the all men are monsters which
1: yeah no, I, can, I, say, I, mean, I said it's I said it's kill all men the oh, movie my bad yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I do get that and like you know I'm gonna have fun with it too but I I do think that like all Wait, the what are men, you thinking, what? most of <laughs> the men are monsters I guess yes yeah. say well, but I think one person is very It's through their perspective, and that's why um, they're unsure about this one character because they don't really know him, but they need something from him, so they have to do what they have to do. Well, I
3: always say that, like... You know, I love so many old movies. Most of my favorite movies have very bad portrayals of women in them. So, like, I can take a few concessions. Like, I can <laughs> I can take a movie that doesn't have a, a positive male figure. I, you know, I'm, I'm a man. I can put up with it. Like, I don't <laughs> – it'll be fine. But should – did John, do you want to talk first? Before? I mean, you know, I got a
2: lot of thoughts on it. But, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of my thoughts, you know, are spoilers. So, I'm not going to, you know – dish it all out there but you know overall i thought the movie was a waste of time <laughs> in my opinion i did not like literally pretty much any of it <laughs> and i i just i honestly thought that like the writing was all over the place it didn't make sense like the characters there was i mean indigo you know made the argument when we were talking about it um one day where you know there isn't really supposed to be chemistry between the cousin and Autumn, the main character. But like, I, I just, I didn't feel anything for Autumn. I didn't feel anything for the cousin. I didn't feel anything for any of them until the very powerful scene with Autumn, which you know everybody can like understand. And
1: that's is that the best scene of the? That might be the best scene of the year. Not for John, but
2: not for I me. Mean, not it's of us. it's it's the best scene in the movie in my the opinion. The titular scene is what we're. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that
0: to it's, me, that's what like so, and that's what like, <laughs> not to say you have no heart, John, because you do love No Nomad, uh, No uh and I, you also like First Cow, which are also slow, and I just kind of <laughs> confused why you love those, and because you gave this a one and a half. I star. love
2: I love slow movies. I just really don't. Well, in my personal opinion, I do not think that this movie, at least for me, was it just <laughs> wasn't done correctly
3: that's interesting because i didn't really take this as a slow movie in the sense that something like nomad land is because there's there's a very constant forward progression in this movie and i still saw it as like a like it's kind of an odyssey you know it's like this and it's this like horribly this horrible adventure where it's just like there are so many obstacles and like even the smallest things really get in the way and that's what i was and like i don't know i guess In the world of these kinds of movies, movies that maybe like to call themselves raw and stuff like that, I think oftentimes people confuse raw with boring or they confuse raw with, um, we don't know how to shoot a movie. So, uh, (laughs) like it's like, oh, it's all handheld and it's, it's very man on the street and improvisational. Isn't that raw? But like, I think this was one of the few movies where every, I understood the word raw in this context because the fact that there wasn't chemistry between the main characters. They were like, they, they were more like they, cousins. Yeah. So their, their,
1: their chemistry was right. They,
3: they already know each they're, other, their family. Yeah. And they also like, I mean, in these, it's sold it in this type of movie where like, I thought one of the most beautiful scenes, like one of those perfect scenes was when they decide to leave, not a dialogue of like, not a word of dialogue is spoken when they decide, Well, like when that decision comes, there's just this understanding and I thought that was really great. And the movie doesn't have a scene where somebody breaks down and has a speech about how hard this has all been or blah, blah, blah. Like you can get it, you know, like I you can kind of see it and just like how tired and miserable they are at certain parts. But they're still keeping a facade to deal with certain people, a certain man, uh, you know, I, I, like I. It's just one of the few movies going for realism where I genuinely actually felt like it kind of looked real. And the titular scene you were talking about, um, that was a great scene because it's also revealing information about this character that up until this point, we haven't, we don't know anything about. And it's revealing information without revealing any of the information because <laughs> you can see and, her yeah. face and her tone of voice when she's responding to certain questions. And we're now just finding out because you don't know who got her pregnant. You don't know any of that stuff, but that scene is kind of the moment i was just like oh i get the movie now and then there's also another scene towards the end um that involves the two of them it involves one of them come so actually there's two scenes in particular there's one scene in a bathroom that also had like one or two words of dialogue that i thought was like perfect and i thought about how a lesser movie would have a character go look i was wrong blah blah blah, 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 blah. and it just didn't have that which was great and then there's another scene where uh one of them has to comfort the other because they're in a, a bad situation. And I just thought that was kind of great, too. Like, it's a movie that I thought worked because of the absence of dialogue and... uh and also, like the way it's shot—that sort of guerrilla style—it was like 16 millimeter. It was filmed out on the streets. It kind of worked in this one because it really looks like the world's just like whizzing
0: past them. You don't catch faces. It's like they- Yeah, it feels like a documentary. I mean, they come from the slow town yeah. in PA, and then it's like the biggest city, and it's all one fast. of the biggest cities in the world. It's all fast
3: moving behind them, and you feel like they're out of their element. You know. Uh, also, With, sorry,
2: without spoilers. I'm sorry, Johnny. No, it's without fine. W- without spoilers. Can you? Tell me the reasoning between Nomadland being plotless, like plotless, and and never rarely sometimes
0: they have a goal never rarely to go and get an abortion and then nomad land Francis dormant is just going around get, doing odd jobs until the movie is finished. That's
3: one thing. Yeah, I would say I, 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 I would
1: say I don't think plotless is an insult. Yeah, plotless isn't an yeah.
3: insult, but
4: <laughs> but yeah. I would
3: say never rarely sometimes always ends and uh uh nomadland stops <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. okay no, all right
3: i That's see what you're okay. holy
0: shit god you got two for two baby Damn. <laughs> you gave me chills Woo. i might lower my score i'm just joking. i don't it, i don't know if
3: nomadland's gonna come up if we're gonna have to talk about that okay
0: oh it's deaf i know right. it's coming up because i do someday. i do have some
3: comparisons between nomadland and this movie that i do want to bring up but i'll wait for it yeah
0: but um, so that was your number seven, yes, right? Yeah, because so John.
1: Oh wait! Oh, before I forget, <laughs> we talked about how Borat has a great cameo in it, but I think the best cameo that no one even knew about was there's a scene in Mank where Mankowitz is looking across the street oh, and there's yeah. a big rally. And it's Upton Sinclair giving a speech,
4: Bill, and you Bill, can't even Bill, see the Bill. face.
1: It is Bill Nye the Science Guy. Oh shit! Really? What? Oh yeah! No, yep. I didn't
2: notice that. Yep.
1: Oh my! I saw God. It in a letterbox review they're like, "Are we just going to ignore the fact that Bill Nye the Science Guy is in this movie?" <laughs> what yeah, a bizarre
2: decision! <laughs> <laughs> what
1: The fuck? Yeah, that is really it's, weird. It's an inspired decision.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, your number, your number ten.
2: All right, all right. So coming in at number ten. We got the written by and directed Darius Martyr's Sound of Metal. That's a punt later. (laughs) That's a punt? All right. How dare you? Number Number nine. You bitch. (laughs) Number nine is Possessor.
4: Consider the face of Colin Tate. Father deceased, mother estranged, no siblings. Deals cocaine for a few years, and then falls in love, and becomes engaged to one of his rich clients, Ava Parse. She's the daughter of John Parr,
2: CEO. Uh Written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, uh, which was Aiden's seven, right? Yeah. Oh,
4: I thought that this... was
2: lower on your list.
0: Oh, shit, unless
2: I'm getting no, confused. No, it is. With...
0: Oh, I... Yeah, no, mine's thought, seven. I... seven. Nine. Mine's nine. Oh, no, I thought, John, you were too... I thought you were like at five. Okay, then we could have talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, let's talk about it now. Oh, it my, you want to talk nine? about it now? That's my number ten. And I thought John, because it's your seven, right, Aiden? Yeah, seven. See, I thought he said it was within two going down. I thought it was his number six or five. That's why I was confused well never mind but yeah it's mine
2: 10 it's your seven and it's john's number nine let's talk about let's talk about it let's talk about it um the performances by andrea riseborough and christopher abbott in this movie are amazing christopher Christopher abbott
0: Abbott, awesome black bear yes christopher
2: abbott specifically this was christopher abbott's year in my opinion because he was phenomenal in black bear as well um
1: it's it's yeah, <laughs> yeah a yep, yep, it's a little possessing. it's about a
2: job there's <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. there's some possessing um <laughs> there's some possessing uh, I give this four stars this is a four star for me um and yes Meso. in my in my review I did I went into this movie knowing nothing about it so you know that is probably the best way to go into it um and I'm glad I I am damn glad I did and I was gripped by its like brutality in its mm. own and I loved the. As you know, bring up the word raw. I thought that the brutality in this movie was extremely raw and I really like just very much so enjoyed it throughout the entire journey of the movie. I was never not interested. I never lost any type of like concentration on the overall plot of what was happening. Um I overall, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Aiden's higher on your list, so you you go
1: um, afterwards. afterwards. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not the big, like, I'm not a, you know, horror is not the genre, my go-to genre. Um, I do like, a, you know, good horror. Um, so, like, if I hear something's, like, really good, I'll check it out. But it's not, like, in a genre that I check out most movies of. Um, and I didn't know anything about this going in. I don't think I've ever seen a Cronenberg Sr. movie. Oh, um, wow. wow. I don't think I have. Um, so I was a little worried. I was like, you know. The poster was kind of, kind of spooked me a little. Um, but I watched it and I was like, you know, with the first scene, with the first job, I guess you could say, I was like, oh, this is the type of movie we're getting. And then I was just like, like, I, I don't know. I was just like, I didn't know anything about it going in. And I was like, very pleasantly surprised, obviously, because I've, you know, four and a half and it's my number seven. um, Yeah, I think that like, yeah, that's definitely the violence is probably um, a highlight of this movie. I mean, just the way violence is used. But I also think that, like, I guess maybe, like, consequences or, like, paying for your actions, I guess, is another theme that I think is, about the, is in this movie because it's kind of like, you know, people, good people, I mean, bad people are punished. And I think that's, like, you know... It, I won't. I won't go any further. I. Th- I almost
4: spoiled. But yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: it,
2: it's hard to talk about without spoil Like, you. You don't want to get too deep into it. You don't want to get too deep into it. But like, you know, it is kind of a story of like identity, mm-hmm. and like how that comes across in the movie and the characters you're dealing with. You really start to feel that. You know that kind of crisis in the movie and i think that that's why you know andrea Risebro, christopher abbott those are both like some of my favorite performances this year and i was gonna say that you know when with the my favorite performances so like you know as i go with my list i'll say like my favorite performances but they were oh my god so good in this movie
0: christopher abbott has to play a lot of levels um yeah. in this movie um and oh God, he's
1: going to get a franchise movie. <laughs> yeah. He's going to He's in 2 Star Wars more or something. He's in 2 more <laughs> yeah.
0: Sundance films uh Coming up, so uh, which I'm seeing, so I was like, oh, I was like, Christopher, oh, I have to go see these now. He's but, gonna be
1: like Mr. Fantastic or <laughs> Human Torch or some shit.
0: Adria <laughs> Risbro has this incredible scene where she's
3: like practicing what she's gonna say. Oh my god, I it, love acting. It, I oh, love yeah.
1: acting in
0: movies where people are acting like Reservoir Dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like
3: and it, there's like no affect to her face. It's like chilling, and she's yes. but you hear these very human like inflections coming out of her. It was really good.
0: I yeah. like the – yeah, because I think besides also identity, but I think like the loss of humanity um, is another thing this movie explores because of the thing that um, Andrea Riseborough's character does. Like slowly her humanity has like kind of disappeared and she's mm. almost like – seeing Johnny just uh, reference She's like trying to remember how it is to just be a normal person. And I think uh, – um uh, okay, I can say this without spoiling. Yeah. Because I think at times, especially watching the second time, you're not always sure if who you're watching is who you're watching, mm-hmm. and I think the mystery with that is something that um, I love about the film too. Because I know Johnny, you gave it three and a half, and I read your review before we recorded, and with the violence to me in this film, I I think the I don't think it was. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what word you said, but I don't think it was kind of going like trying to find exactly what it was trying to like say with the violence. I thought to me, the violence wasn't like, Oh, look, look at this. well maybe a little bit, but like, I don't think it was just like, Oh yeah, look at this fucking eye being couched <laughs> out. Um, which it was very <laughs> visceral, but I, I thought it was supposed to be about the lack of humanity. Like right. I think because the job requires you to almost have a lack of humanity, what you're doing. Like, even if it wasn't this, horror sci-fi version and you were just doing you know yeah mm-hmm. that thing in real yeah. life like you have to be able to somehow separate your soul but like every time you do that you're kind of breaking it so yeah. to me i thought that was especially when you're it's almost the thing too like when you're wearing a mask hmm. um and that's what i loved about the watchman show like when you're wearing a mask um you can do all these things because you're not really you and I feel like these characters have this mask, mm-hmm. and so you're you're not doing these things. You're the other person's doing these things. So that's to me. I thought that's why the violence worked because mm-hmm. it's not like I'm hurting you. Yeah. someone else in a way. Yeah.
2: yeah, it was like a character study in that way, and that's why I think that the violence came across that like in a way that the violence, like you know, had to be there to show like what you said Diego like to show the loss of humanity to show like you know there cuz there's scenes in this movie where you know it is specifically for that reason cuz you you it's it's you know i guess that would kind of spoil it but you know it goes into that where there are scenes where some violence happens that like you know didn't necessarily need to happen but it fits in with what is going on in you know the humanity of Andrea Riseborough <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very good movie. I think there's a couple, so I'm a big fan of David Cronenberg, not to compare. Uh, the father and son father and son D- David Cronenberg's movies when he's violent those movies are like kind of fun like I think about like the the scanner's head explosion is unequivocally hilarious uh, and I understand that's not what Brandon Cronenberg's been doing the movie's not supposed to be fun it's supposed to be mm. very cold uh, and there are like one or two little moments where it does feel like like there's a moment involving fingers that kind of made me laugh like there's a couple of small moments that are like just almost like going over that edge into like silly territory but for the most part he stands his ground really well I was very surprised because the ending of the movie feels like the ending to act 2 of a movie I think that put me off at first and it left me cold the first time I watched it and then it grew on me later after I had seen it but that Mm -hmm. was surprising when it ended I was kind
2: of like oh you know so do you think we got everything out on possessor yeah all right, number eight. We've been, uh, we've been, we've been talking about it here and there in this episode so far. Uh, number eight is Chloe Zhao's *Nomadland* for me. Punt, punt indeed. Figured. Going on to number <laughs> wow. seven, Regina King. One night in Miami. Uh, patronage, Malcolm, Malcolm. All right. No, Jimmy, and what you don't get, brother Sam. You've made it, brother. But for all the others, the majority of people who had their own self-destructive dreams and didn't make it, what are they left behind? And all they left behind is a legacy of negativity.
0: That is my number seven. <laughs> Look at that. Anyone else? I, I didn't get
3: to see it. I really wanted to. As a big Jim yeah.
2: Brown fan, I really wanted to see it. Oh, dude. Oh, you would love what happens in this movie. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Uh, Number one, this is probably my third favorite performance of the year by uh kingsley ben adir who plays malcolm x in the movie brilliant seriously feels like you're watching malcolm x on screen it just it it feels like he's just right there he plays it perfectly and the range of emotions he has to tackle and it's just oh it's so powerful um But all his
0: affectations, like he, like I just saw Malcolm X, the movie, uh, like again, but the first time in a while that I could really remember the whole thing this year, or I guess, you know, last year. Do you
1: think Kingsley's better than Denzel?
0: See, that's why I was, it's hard because you got like a whole lifespan performance Mm -hmm. and then you got a specific, literally one night performance. Yeah, one night. I think it's different, but he gives him a run for his fucking money. I think. Like he, yeah, like John said, I think mm-hmm. he is one of the best performances of the year. I think the whole cast is brilliant, but I think he, he, like he looks like him, he talks like him, but it's not an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like an uh, impersonation. It's just. He feels like he's doing his own thing, but I felt Malcolm like I wanted to mm-hmm. listen, and then then you like you know you have uh, Leslie Odom Jr. playing Sam oh, Cook.
2: He's amazing in it too, dude. Yeah, amazing. And he's Like his
0: main foil, and then you get I love the, just like the um, the ruminations on what it means to be black in America and have some sort of power and. Like, I, I I like this versus another play adaptation from this year, which I didn't like as much, Mom um, Rainey's Black Bottom, which, because it's always hard, you know, when you're having play adaptations, like, how do you make this feel cinematic, or at least not feel stale just being in one location, but maybe it's just the dialogue and the acting were more interesting to me than this, but... Yeah, it Mm. was fantastic.
2: I absolutely loved it. And like, you know, I mean, all of them, Aldous Hodge as as Jim Brown. Like, it was really solidly stacked on performances and like the screenplay, like the screenplay and the performances, you know, they, they take home the trophy for this movie, in my opinion. And like Regina King, hell yeah, for being her debut movie, it's like insane how good this movie is.
1: Two things. One, um, I think like everyone that watches it kind of gravitates to one performance more than the others, or like at least one kind of comes out top for people. For me, it was uh, Eli Gorey as, uh, as Cassius Clay mm-hmm. in Fantastic. this movie. No, it was amazing. He was literally, he was brilliant. He was like, it was utterly brilliant. One of my favorite performances of the year. And uh, two, I have white grandparents and they both loved this movie. And, you know, so.
3: <laughs> so it passed the <laughs> test. There <laughs> yeah. you
1: go, Regina it,
0: King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I I thought, like... That that she needs the white parent validation. The white grandparent validation.
0: (laughs) I thought the ending also was fantastic. uh, With the song. The montage? The montage, Oh, my God. I was crying. I I was crying. I cried before, too. Just like, because, you know, especially knowing that it's 1964. And I did not know until after the movie. I was like, wait, when did when did sam cook die cuz what happened and then i was like holy shit he died literally the next year and i was like fuck me mm-hmm. and i was like this is crazy i didn't i didn't know he also died so soon after i mean this is a fictionalized mm-hmm. um, story but like i did not know he died like that much afterwards and i mean you know as the black guy here um, i mean it was very interesting scene um, and you don't know, have to be black to also think this too but like seeing how you use your success um, and like, you know, people will judge you like you should be doing this more. You should be doing this more, but it's like everyone has to do their own thing and you're not wrong for not wanting to completely like destroy something. But I mean, I don't really think this is like a, like you are right or you are wrong uh, type of arguments mm-hmm. in movies. It's just different interpretations of how to do similar things. You all have the same end goal, but like different ways of getting there. And, Yeah, I I think uh, even though Jim Brown, I think, has like the least um, in this movie when he does speak. I think it's great. He has a conversation after an argument um, with uh, Malcolm X, and I was like, damn. One, Alditage, also Invisible Man, beat himself Mm -hmm. up. He's great. Um, One of those actors I've seen a lot, and I hope he gets his own big movie that people see. Um, I know he was in Brian Banks. Brian Banks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think of Black Mirror a lot. Black Museum, to be specific. Black Mirror, season four, episode nine, I believe. Oh,
0: he's in... Oh, yeah! Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, he's
0: in the... Yeah, because that was the one with multiple stories. Either. Yeah,
2: but but I really do, you know, like, I really do want to give, you know, this movie... Like, I didn't... Like, you're the one who told me in Dago about One Night in Miami. I had, like, you know, not really known much about it. I think I saw, like, an ad here and there. Um, but, like, I didn't, like, expect much. Like, like, I didn't know what to really expect. But I was, like, blown away by this movie, to be honest. It was just... The performances all around... And I mean, we do know that Leslie Odom can obviously sing from like Hamilton. Was he the one singing in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Amazing.
1: He wrote the song that plays during the credits. And that's probably he might win an Oscar for that. He might win an Oscar for his performance, too. Uh,
2: Man, it was so good. It was so good.
1: But I what I think so smart about this, and I would I really love to see the play because I like this movie, but like I I, re- I really want to see what the, the the play is like too. Huh. Um, but I think what's so what's so genius about like the setup of the movie is that you have Malcolm X on one side, you got Sam Cooke on the other side, and you've got uh, you've got Jim Brown right in the middle. He's the he's the mo- he's the moderate of them. He's the medium guy. He doesn't want to take a side, and then you've kind of got of Cassius Clay, who's kind of circling that, circling both sides
4: mm-hmm.
1: throughout the movie, and I think that's a really smart way to set up your character.
2: Yeah, you, and, you know. well, you feel like Cassius Clay because you know he's the youngling of the group. He's like he's the one who's like just starting up, and like you can feel that, like you know, with his performance, with Eli Gorey's performance, which is like incredible and when you you know go back and actually watch everything having to do with Muhammad Ali I mean I love boxing so I did a lot of that type of research before anyway and dude like you said man he kills it kills it as as Cassius Clay um I was gonna say my my uh, picks
0: for the first round we kind of already talked about slash well I definitely assume we'll talk about later um, unless you guys have anything else, I was going to move on to my number. Oh, no, absolutely. Something. Take it. Take it. Bet. All right. So my 10 we just talked about already, Possessor, Bride. Brandon Cronenberg. My number nine, maybe higher, Promising Young Woman. I, I punt. Oh, boy. All right. Then I guess we're going to have to go back to, uh, uh, I assume, to Aiden because my number eight is Soul. Oh, Punt. And when number seven was one, night in Miami. So back to you, Hayden. <laughs> number six. Okay, six
1: through four. Um, number six. I I forgot. Okay, number six is uh, mangrove.
2: Um, punt.
1: Oh okay. shit! Oh. Okay, number five. I I just know and is gonna. I know when and I are gonna fight, and I don't like when we fight. I uh number five is ammonite. Feel i a great
4: disadvantage. Pardon? I feel like I've been misled.
1: I don't think I have. I was invited for a visit.
0: All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear. I
1: want to hear i I'm not gonna, gonna
0: kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you. Really, really bad. Uh, So I just finished this. This was literally, it was like, okay, I can watch Invisible Man again, see if it's going to be on my list. And I was like, maybe not. Or I can watch Ammonite, so at least we could talk about this because I was curious only because it was four and a half stars for you. Kate Winslet, her most reserved yet. She was very good, I think. Um, Shusharonan, I think, was fine. I think she was good. I just didn't think it was anything super special, um, like another performance that some people think is the best of the year that we'll talk about later. That's not on my list. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think I felt anything. It's 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 supposed to be a grayer, like, toned – not grayer, like, not a bright, colorful movie like Portrait of the lay on Fire. But I think that was a beautiful movie through and through i felt something more for the characters and even though that was a shorter timeline they had to be together than the characters in ammonite do i also think even though the endings are kind of uh, i think the ending for portually lay Lay on fire is closed and i think ammonite is open ish Mm -hmm. i guess but I, i don't know i didn't feel the same thing at the end of ammonite than i did watching of on fire. I, I I don't know. Like I think I'm probably gonna give it um by the time this is out, I'll have my rating. But I'm probably gonna give it a two and a half or a three and I give Portrait a four and a half. But I don't hate this movie. But I okay. I'm interested to hear though why you love it though. Some more.
1: Um Yeah. Okay, well that was that was a lot better than I thought. You know, neutral to neutral leaning positive. That's better than, you know, hating it. Um, so I don't know, I watched this movie in the theater and like, I, it's kind of interesting because it's like, sometimes I feel like, I feel like if I watched this movie on at home, I might've gotten a different experience than in the theater, but in the theater, it was like, so one of the movies that are higher on my list are screenplay movies that really rely on the screenplay. Whereas this movie really relies on performances and the subtle and they're really subtle performances. They're not doing a lot. There's not big monologues. There's not there's not scenes of cry- there's not like big scenes of crying. It's a lot of like things go unspoken. And I really and I really like that. And I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire had that too. I think I have it just a little a little higher. You know, I actually I haven't seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire in like over a year, and I feel like if I watched it now, I would, you know, probably it might go to a four and a half. So I think that they're like almost equal for me. But um, I think what I real, like, I realized, like I was like really digging this movie, and then there's a scene towards the end, and I can't remember what it is. It's been a couple months, but it just like I don't cry often in movies. I wish I did. It was what some that's something I wish I did more. Was cry in movies just to show that I have emotion. Uh, but I cried during *Ammonite*, and I rarely do that. I think the last time I cried during a movie maybe it was *Call Me by Your Name*. And I, I cried on the third time. I, it took me three times before I cried during that movie. And so, um, it's
3: inappropriate age gaps that make you cry. That's what we figured out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. I just am like, oh, he's so old. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. And this was like, you know, I think it's hard. Like, I think it's easier to accept. S- attractions coming quicker, quick in a movie when it's something older, because like you don't show everything and people like back then, they weren't like on their phones. So they were constantly interacting with people. And so like, they, like they didn't have anything else to do, but be with each other. So I think that like there was some stuff that wasn't on screen that I feel like there were moments and like probably looks and feelings with each other that like, I think Sersha's character is, like, she feels trapped, and she feels lost, and she finds hope with Kate Winslet's character, and, yeah, and I, I don't know, I just, and I think the scene, the, the, the love scenes are so, like, intimate and beautiful, and um, their chemistry was great, and, yeah, I, you know, I don't know, I just, yeah, really, really enjoy it.
3: I'll, I'll see it eventually I'll see it eventually so I can weigh in but uh,
1: you'll hate it Johnny I know you
3: will I'm sure, I'm sure I'll appreciate it I'm sure I'll like it uh, like I love Portrait of Lady on Fire it's just when it, when I looked at the plot it was like 1840s England I was like oh, I gotta get in like a mood for that
0: shit <laughs> so I was doing that work someone just watched it Um. so that was your number five okay so what is your number four
1: all right I think this might be on someone's
0: list. Bast of night. But uh, Punt, Johnny. Your number six.
3: <laughs> yes, my number six is get Duked.
2: Look, you can probably tell from my accent. I actually went to America last year. DJ Beetroot did a little tour out there. Yeah, one that when your family went to Disneyland. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's the same trip. I just
0: these hills all look the same.
2: Wouldn't worry about it.
3: Uh this is a film that I saw actually in 2019 over the summer when it premiered in Edinburgh. Uh at that time it was titled Boys in the Wood. Um it was the <laughs> full premiere, the, the director was there, the cast. Um it was this huge like auditorium. It was like watching a movie premiered in like the Fox Theater or something. It was probably even bigger than that. Um and there's the red carpet outside and a uh, shout out to my, my film and Britain friends. We were all there and it was the, it was such a surprise. We had no idea what to expect. And it, we had such a blast. It is like, uh, if Edgar Wright directed the in betweeners is kind of how I keep describing it. Um, oh, it's just so it's like, it's, these four boys who have to finish the Duke of Edinburgh award. So they have to go out into the woods. They don't get along. There's one who's super serious about it. There's one who's an aspiring rapper. <laughs> there's like, they all kind of clash. Um, and then uh, without spoiling anything, there's some life or death danger that they happen to come upon. And uh, it, it's, it just had this incredible energy. And it, especially in that theater in the theater experience, we were, dying there were applause breaks there were people just like roaring uh and i watched it again it got a release on amazon prime uh in 2020 and um it's it's still very good it doesn't quite have that same effect that it <laughs> did the first time but yeah it's mm-hmm. great also toby mcguire produced it wanted to mention that but
2: very nice yeah, that's what he's been doing <laughs> i mean edgar wright doing the in-betweeners that just sounds like a blast <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch it. Oh, definitely! Please, right. yeah. Let me know what you think. Mm-hmm.
0: So, your number
3: five. My number five is bad education.
4: Thank you. It's uh, yeah. That's that's new, isn't it? I don't think I've seen you wearing it around before. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I've got i got sort of an eye for these things. I don't know. So, um, what do we think? Is that is that a Macy's purchase
0: or are we talking Lord and Taylor collection?
3: uh hbo original um which was anyone else it was directed by Corey finley director of thoroughbreds um and i i watched it with my mom uh it was like right after quarantine started i think it got its release and i think hugh jackman gave one of the best performances of the year i think he gave the best performance of his career in my opinion uh, he has so many. I mean, for the first half of the movie, he is not letting, cl- he's not showing his cards. He's not showing what kind of person he is, uh, yeah. until the second half of the movie. And when you watch it again, it's so brilliant, like all of the little things he does and that. And then, you know, it culminates in a monologue, uh, the, uh about acceleration, which is so funny. Like, yeah, I love it. I was I do, laughing yeah. so hard. But it's also so intense. It's so good. It's a perfect culmination of this character and everything he's experienced. Um, he, you know, he and Alice and Janney both are really good. Ray Romano's really good. But uh, he and Alice and Janney are – they're playing sympathetic characters that are also bad people. Uh, real life bad people. And that's what I thought was a really interesting line to walk in. I was just riveted. It was – it, it's about, it's a true story about a student reporter uncovering a huge scandal. You could mention this alongside like spotlight or all the president's men or <laughs> the post. Like it's of the same intensity to me, but it's about a school. <laughs> and I just, I was in love with it. I, um, was really surprised
1: by it. Mm. I re- Geraldine Vishwanathan, really great rising. Actress. Yes. Yeah. She was great. She plays the reporter. Yeah.
2: Mm. I really liked that. I really like that movie too. Like, I, I loved it, and it kind of reminded me of like um, uh, like Matt Damon in The Informant. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, it kind of felt like like that same type of thing, because you said. Like you know, like it's like Matt Damon in The Informant. It's like he's like a sympathetic bad person, pretty much. Like like, <laughs> like right, like the way he 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 works in The Informant. And uh, no, but that accelerated monologue is phenomenal. That even made it in my my letterbox review. It's like that accelerated <laughs> monologue. A plus.
1: That's that's two Jimmy Tatro movies for you, Johnny. <laughs> oh, was Jimmy Tatro
3: in this one too?
1: Yeah, he's the son of Alice. And he Chaney. was,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Oh I, I was like, who the fuck oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. If you have not seen American Bandal on Netflix, so you're, sure. the <laughs> you're the reason it got canceled. <laughs> you're the reason it got canceled. Yeah, so no, good. I can't believe
0: they fucking canceled
1: it. Oh so fucked up. Season two was just as good as season one. <laughs> season Amazing. two was great too, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um. Do uh, I am I on to my f- four? Or are we moving on? oh y- uh, Yeah. Uh, you're on your number four. Okay. My number four is Minari. We got that
1: stupid stick. how
2: No pun here.
4: Okay.
3: It really—it was really close. Okay. Uh Yeah. I. I. I loved Minari. Um. It's. uh it, 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 it was just one, it was the sweetest movie I saw this year. It was genuinely endearing. There are so many parts of the movie where I was laughing in an empathetic way. I was laughing because characters in the movie were laughing, or I was laughing because just something wholesome was happening. Uh, it, it's, um, I, I think has the most sympathetic characters, uh, of most movies. This year. It's about, uh, yeah, so it's this its this Asian-American family, a Korean-American, uh, moving from California to Arkansas. And so it's kind of got those themes of like the immigrant trying to chase the American dream. Um, there's a wonderful scene towards the beginning where the main character, Stephen Yoon's character, is explaining to his son about how when they are sorting the male chicks from the baby chicks, because he works in like chicken farming, that they dispose of the male chickens because they have no use. And he's like, so we got to make ourselves useful. And that's this like perfect uh, thesis statement for the whole movie, Mm -hmm. which is about us tying people's personal worth to their market value and how that affects them and their family. And, um, but it doesn't do it in like a, you know, in a depressing, there's, it's got depressing moments, but it's a very realistic, very human way. And then there's also a whole plot with a grandma, uh, which I'm Thai and I've, had long stretches of time with my Thai grandma staying with us and I could relate so much to the the classic Asian grandma (laughs) staying with you for a long period of time. Uh, And also, yeah, some of the best, as Aiden mentioned earlier today, uh, some of the best child performances in recent memory too. So I really loved it.
0: I felt like those characters, I can understand like the feeling of like, you want to chase that American dream. You won't want to work for anyone anymore. You want to make your family proud. You want to make yourself proud. You want to finish something and, you know, say like, look, son, look, daughter, I did this for me, for you, for us. And, I don't know why I just had a, a little distance, and which is weird because, like, you know, a movie like Never Rarely, you don't even get to know Autumn as a character until like you know some of her backstory with like the standouts title sequence scene of that film. So I started thinking about like why maybe I like that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think Minari really is like. Um, fantastic movie i mean i was i in the opposite of you aiden i cry I, i've since i started theater i've exponentially cried more in <laughs> the movies yeah. so i was like like at the end um with uh when they with us the, when a thing what happens with the shed i was like <laughs> i was crying <laughs> uncontrollably like yeah. so many like, I was, yeah. like it was just like i felt so bad especially from the scene we just had with the um uh steven yun's character and his wife yeah um which fantastic scene outside that car um at the vegetable place i mean yeah. Uh, yeah. that was great um i also i think in a time where a lot of our big movies
3: are very heavy-handed with their political messages and stuff like that. It was such a good movie in the way that it, like it's for Lee Isaac Chung, it's a semi-autobiographical film. It takes place in the eighties and there is this backdrop of like Reaganomics and, you know, freedom being related to personal prosperity, but that's all there is. In the end, it's like a very human family movie. Nobody outright explains the problem with Reaganomics or something in the movie, but it's there. And I thought that mm-hmm. was like a perfect example of incorporating politics into something, but still telling it, a very meaningful a story. Movie. I
1: really couldn't tell when it was. Yeah. And I think that adds to it. It doesn't, it won't, I don't think it'll like age poorly.
2: No, I've, I mean, I loved Stephen Hughes performance and like, I, I generally enjoyed all of it. It was so like wholesome. It almost made my list, came very close, um, very wholesome. And I kind of liked the, not so much of a conflict. I don't know if I'm the only one to even really read it that way, but like the way that the son, you know, connects with the dad and the dad is so, you know, gung ho on the kind of American dream that, you know, the son kind of picks up on that more than, you know, his culture, which is, you know, comes out when the grandma comes and the grandma and the mom and like everything like that. You can kind of tell that like, the kid's not all about that anymore. He's about, you know, this instead. And I just, you know, I thought that that was really nice. And that goes again towards what Aiden was saying about that kid's acting, which is, you know, really good. Um, oh, wait. Um, yeah. yeah
1: um, surprisingly, I heard that this was one of the best scores of the year um, going into it. And I was like, kind of let down. Cause it was like good, but it like, I mean, there's a lot of uh, some parts of this movie that's where that didn't have a score. And, like, of what there was, it was good, but it, like, never really, like, stood out to me. I, cause I think it was just because I was so hyped up from from some people that I heard from.
0: Uh-huh. I didn't remember the score, and then I heard that after. I, And then I saw it again today, oh, and I was like, holy okay. shit, this is one of but, my favorite oh. scores of the year now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's. I didn't realize
3: how much I liked the score until a certain character uh, 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 goes down a road, <laughs> and then the score yeah, oh, yeah, makes yeah, a yeah, certain yep. moment. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really good.
2: John, your number six. All right, yeah. my number six. I don't know if this really made it on anybody's list, but Kelly Reichardt's first cow.
4: Wouldn't drink it. I'd use it for cookies or scones. Nothing better than buttermilk biscuits.
2: That is my number six. Um, And, you know, general outline of the movie, it's, you know, uh, kind of a loner guy who's also a really good cook is traveling the Oregon Trail. And the reason he's a loner is because nobody really wants him around when they, you know, go in groups and whatever. And, um, you know, he just really wants to do something with his life. And he comes across a Chinese immigrant, um, played by Orion Lee. And, both amazing performances throughout and the movie generally feels wholesome kind of the way that like Johnny saw Minari like I felt wholesome throughout and the score is a big part of that because when you're watching a movie like this it feels like you like you're probably going to get a little bit of a darker score with it or like a little bit of like a more like on the suspense line. But it was like the score it like it is like uplifting throughout the entire movie, no matter what they're getting into. And it's because you're honestly, you know, you're watching them really do, you know, what they want to do, which is kind of another American dream type movie. They want to, they want to finally make it somewhere, like make it out. And I think Kelly Reichardt did, you know, amazing with it. And I'm also, you know, I'm a sucker for these type of historical period movies, um, especially when they're like, you know, like slow in a way, because I think that it has brilliant pacing. And the two leads like John, John Maggero and Orion Lee have like amazing chemistry together throughout the entire movie. And I, I it was captivating all the way through for me and like i didn't know anything about it either i went in pretty blind to this movie and like i thought that you know first cow as i was watching it, i was like oh man i wonder like when this cow is gonna come in i wonder i <laughs> wonder what this cow is gonna like what what's going on with the cow and it ended up being like a brilliant story with this cow, that, cow. That, I, that i it's a cute cow I was like, I'm not attracted to this cow, but no, it's cute. It's cute as shit. I was watching it with my <laughs> fiance. I was like, I was like, dude, this <laughs> cow looks like I was like, this yeah, cow I is do. cute as shit. Um, but yeah, no, that's my number six. Um, did it, did it almost make anybody's list? Did anybody like it that much? I want to watch. wasn't able to see. It. Like
1: it more.
0: Yeah, I also agree. I want to watch it again.
2: My number five is Tom Moore and Ross Stewart's Wolf Walkers.
0: Tony, any extra fur? Oh, that's mine! Nice. Get away! No, stop moving and let me fix it before it's too late.
1: Hey, get off me! Will you stop? Let me fix it. Ugh. Fine.
4: Ah, oh, you bastard! Did that
2: almost make anybody's list? Is yes. that in anybody's list?
0: Yes, it did almost fucking make my list.
2: Number five is Wolfwalkers, and like honestly, this was this. I gave this movie four and a half stars. Um, it was almost a five star. I'm not going to lie. I loved like everything about this movie pretty much like the amazing animation in it and the illustrations are just like so like breathtaking and like the music again in this one. There is a scene in this movie and and even put it in his letterbox review. But like this movie really does reach this level that you don't expect it to reach when this one scene happens with this one song, and it just, it ties in all of the, like, feelings that you have towards the movie, and it just, like, amplifies it from that point on. And I just, like, was all the way through, and, you know, I'm gonna get probably a lot of shit for this, but it is my favorite, it is the best animated movie of the year, in my opinion. Really?
0: It was so hard. I really thought about it, and maybe because I thought the th- some themes were deeper in soul. But Wolf Walkers, if you have not seen it it's on Apple TV Plus, you have kids. If you're an adult, mm-hmm. fucking, it's like 2D animation. I mean, we never see this anymore. And like no. the rotoscoping that they did, like it has all these different types of animation styles at the same time. It's so fucking colorful. I knew nothing about this movie, just see Wolf Walkers, and I did. I cried. I mean, Sean Bean oh, in this movie, he's a voice. Uh, I love the kids. It's just such a creative. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. Um, I mean, I th- this is a trilogy of this Irish studio that I didn't hear of who did like the Secret of Kells in another movie. Uh, um,
1: Secret of Kells, Breadwinner, and Song of the Sea. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're like all based on like Irish folklore, and um, yeah, this is amazing. Like it's so good. Uh, but yeah,
2: yeah, I dude, tremendous movie. I I went into it blind, just like you, and like I w- honestly, I was sold in the very beginning with the title, just the title coming up on the screen. I was like, I'm gonna love this movie. I can feel it already. I'm gonna love this movie. And yeah, it was oh so good throughout. Moving on, as much as it- I
1: love the other animated movie that we talk about this i think this has the best animation i think for me i was like oh just yeah. look this is objectively like so incredibly looking
4: mm-hmm. you, you guys sold me, absolutely yeah.
2: i'll have to see it yeah <laughs> it's dude very good very ho- very wholesome but also like the the character development and like the emotion the range of emotions that happen it's just it is great um but on, on on to number four anybody got anything else about wolf Number four, Steve McQueen, Mangrove.
4: The Mangrove is a restaurant. It serves West Indian cuisine
0: to people who eat that kind of food. Just like any other restaurant. Greek, French, English, for that matter. We the Mangrove.
2: Mangrove at number four. I gave it four and a half stars. I thought that it was pretty much amazing from beginning to end. The, um, But no, I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was incredible throughout. It was, you know, just so, like, heartbreaking, honestly, through, like, throughout, it was just heartbreaking. But, like, at the same time, like, I thought that, you know, movies like this, like, kind of, I guess you could say the trial this year, like, the trial of the Chicago 7, it kind of draws, like, similarities, especially if you, like, have seen them, if you saw them very close to each other. Like, they kind of draw similarities. But, like, this movie... And Sean Parks and Letitia Wright in this movie, and like the whole performance the performance is all around, but like Sean Parks and Letitia Wright in this movie are phenomenal. They are so it's so strong. It's so in your face. And it's, you know, it's done so beautifully. And, you know, I didn't even know it was a true story. I like, you know, I went back and like did the research on it. But yeah, man, I've tr- I really, really liked this movie. And um, four and a half stars. Maybe if I watch it again, it honestly might even reach five.
1: Now, now, uh, not on Twitter because they had some anti-vax tweets. Letitia Wright is truly incredible in this movie. She's very good. Um, uh, yeah, I think what really I loved about this movie is that like mangrove itself is like such a like really cool symbol for like a lot of different things. Like, the place itself, I think, is really, yeah. Um, It's such a, like, it's such, like, a good metaphor for community and for, like, culture and stuff like that. And, like, I thought that, like, uh, PC Polly was one of my favorite villains of the year. I thought, like, you know, he's such a despicable, horrible person. It's very hard to watch because there's a lot of really emotional, like, um, racially charged scenes.
2: Yeah. No, I've... 100% 100% agree and I think that like even the the arguments and like the what is that that's what you call it in court whatever it is like the arguments and the you know like the self defense like the defense scenes are like so strong in this movie it's like it's it's amazing and I also feel like you know um, the judge going back to like maybe trial of Chicago 7 the judge in trial of Chicago 7 is like you know he's terrible he's awful and you can kind of tell but like he's also like senile and that's the reason that they brought this dude in for the trial is because of that like it's like they knew that he that they could easily manipulate that judge and he's also a racist so it, it, it helps their cause but like this movie i feel like mangrove i mean yes this judge is definitely you know definitely racist in a way but he seems more on like he seems more like you know in the middle there yeah yeah yeah, he seems more there like he's he
1: he tries to do his job
2: yeah he uses his actual job you know like you know he's he's trying to really get to the bottom of it in the society that he's in he's obviously acting some way but like at the same time like he this is a true case that you know it needs to happen and that's why what happens in mangrove happens is because you know that's the way the that's the way it's supposed to work (laughs) like that's the way that's what's supposed to happen i echo everything you guys said it's an
0: incredible (laughs) film incredible performances and in the battle of the courtroom dramas as i put on my letterbox, i believe that this is the father
2: (laughs) i also do want to say real quick before we get off of the steve mcqueen vibe um it's not in my honorable mentions even though I you know I kind of feel like it deserves to be but at the same time I didn't you know I didn't love it that much but I do want to say Lover's Rock was still you know really good and really enjoyable and honestly just a lot of fun yeah my my review on letterbox is vibing the entire time because i was <laughs> vibing the entire time dude i was i was having a blast i was dude, i felt like i was in the party okay. with them and just chilling there's a moment the in acapella
0: moment where i got goosebumps yeah <laughs> oh john because yeah, yeah. Oh, that was your number this is your number four right mangrove yes four yeah we can just wait uh because right now is my number six which is lovers rock Because here's the thing, guys. I was literally like, do I give this a four and a half? But if I do, wouldn't that mean I have to give this four and a half and blah, 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 blah? Yes. It, it was very hard to go Mangrove Lovers Rock for me. Like, it was like fucking neck and neck, different things. But yes, like you said, acapella. Everything about this movie, I saw it twice now. At first, I was like, okay, so this is all this is. It's just like a party scene, right? Because because uh, we've all seen this movie. Um like you can go into that. that scene that you're talking about when they're just singing silly games, which is the uh-huh. opening uh, is going to be – you guys don't know this, but whoever's listening is – that is going to be the opening music to <laughs> the intro to this podcast, this episode um, – I fucking, I couldn't believe how, <laughs> like, it almost feels like this should be higher for me. It's very, very difficult to have this in number six, but yeah, that scene when they're just singing a cappella to a song, it just, this whole movie is emblematic of a time forgotten at this point, just the, the act of being together, a party with people, <laughs> you don't, you can, get into each other's fucking space and it feels good. You're not afraid of dying or killing someone else. Like the music, the fucking weed. I mean, yep. it's fantastic. And the first time I didn't really notice this as much. And then the really, the second time I was paying attention, it hit, hit me. Um, cause this is another of the small acts films by Steve McQueen. And when they go outside, that is the only time in all of these films, small acts films where you do see, Why they need this. You see like these white people in the beginning when they're unloading the furniture in the house to make room for this party. You just see them looking at them like the one of the guys is in a truck. And then later when someone's going after a friend and they they just see these four white guys and, you know, I had the subtitles on, uh, but eventually for these movies, I didn't need them as much because I understood the lingo and the language more, um, with the actions, I guess, more, um, you see these people like calling this girl like a monkey and everything, and yada, 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 And there's a cop car eventually that comes at some point. And to me, this movie shows it, it, it's the one that stands out in Small Acts, uh, the film anthology. Because Steve McQueen was like, you know what? I'm going to flex so hard. I'm going to drop five motherfucking movies in one year, bitch. Yes, and
4: did.
0: it's incredible. I mean, i think this is a this is the only space these people have to just be themselves because these all these movies they face uh, discrimination when they're kids when they're teens when they're adults if they're old and they finally have this area to just be themselves to exist and like the energy of a party it's it's to me like like i said in my review if you don't love this movie i can hundred percent understand this but like I think, I don't know, maybe this might move higher on my list if I do this again, because the feeling I get how Steve McQueen films bodies dry rating mm-hmm. like, on each other, how he just lets the camera go. And like when <laughs> like the Mercury sound at the end of oh, I mean, yeah, that dude. shit had me so hyped up. Like yes. you have all the facets of a party in one movie. I, I want to say there's a, there's a,
3: there is a shot, a very long shot of a couple of crotches and thighs rubbing yep. up against each other in this movie, yep. and I was getting sweaty. I was like, "This, <laughs> <real
4: good>.
3: just, <laughs> this is the sexiest <laughs> thing I've ever seen, dude, <laughs> it, dude." It really
2: is. It like puts you in, like, it, like you know. I mean, uh, anybody who knows me, I mean, like, I was like, I was watching this movie, like me and my, like you know, we're we're getting. We're getting high as fuck as we're watching it, and I felt like I was there because you know like that's just like the way it is. It's like you're vibing the entire time, but like you feel the powerfulness of like you know that time, like and Davewood was saying, like they do really need that, but that's all the movie is is the lover's rock, like the house it it shows them move in the party's about to start, the party starts, and you're fucking there you're you're there all night, and it is just something that is just so like much fun. And, like, I don't get, I, I was very surprised at how into the movie I got because, same thing, the Mercury sound started happening, and I was like, Fuck, yeah, the Mercury sound, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, let's, let's go. This is lit. <laughs> the dude is taking his shirt off. He's getting all, like, wild oh on the my ground. God. It's like, oh, it was just, it was like I felt what, like, I felt what I think that Steve McQueen, like, you know, wanted people to see and feel. And it was just something that I thought that was, like, a lot of fun.
1: I gave it two and a half. I don't like parties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay here's the thing here's the
3: thing aiden i don't like parties either <laughs> okay. it made me like parties that's a that's yeah. an accomplishment um,
1: yeah i i mostly mostly because i i didn't get attached to any of the characters that was just that was just me maybe i'll give it another watch one day but yeah
0: for me it was a dunkirk situation mm-hmm. i guess yeah. just i just thought it's right now like i guess it's not about the characters as singular they're they're more like this the the body yeah. the whole the group i guess mm. themselves and what they're feeling and i think to me seeing lovers rock first and then seeing uh, three of the other films, and then coming back to Lovers Rock, it actually, I like it more because mm. I see all the shit they go through in this fucking community throughout the, t- like, the uh, small acts goes from like the late 60s um, to the early 80s. And then, like, this, I believe, is, this is like early 81, like 81, I believe. And it's just like a cool Saturday night. And I think it's the one where you're not just like, Jesus Christ, it sucks being a minority.
1: I would, they could have saved it maybe if they saved it for last maybe it would have had more of an impact on um, if they put it at number five, I think that might it could have had it could have been like you watch all this shit and you kind of get a satisfying like okay, you, you went through it all mm-hmm. watch this now.
2: since I didn't since I didn't watch you know the rest of the, the small acts, I imagine this was kind of I mean but since I didn't watch, I don't know but like was it kind of like a break? Like, yes. Like, Mm-mm. you know, it's, it's going to show you this shit. You're going to have fun. I mean, but you're also going to feel like, you know, emotions because some crazy shit goes down at the same time while you're having fun. But it's like, that's like your break before it goes into stuff like within with the next four movies or f- three mo- movies that just go way crazier than than that, you know, like in another direction, kind of.
1: I think it's all about the placement. I think if it was maybe third it would have made more sense because it's like you watch mangrove and it's really hard to watch. And then, and then you immediately are given lovers rock and you're like, okay, this is like the happier feeling of the movies. And then you get three more that are like, Oh shit, this is awful.
0: But yeah. Um, that's my six. I realized I spent a lot of time on my number six. Maybe <laughs> it should have been hired. God damn it. Let's start crazy. Um, uh, number five, we already talked about never, rarely, sometimes, always. And my number four Palm Springs?
3: To embrace the fact that nothing matters.
4: Well, then what's the point of living?
3: Well, we kind of have no choice but to live. So, I think your best bet is just to learn how to
1: suffer existence.
2: Ooh. Ooh. That almost made it for me.
1: Ooh, I, was a, I was a two and a half, but I rewatched it, and it's a little higher. That almost Johnny. made it for me.
3: I gave it a three. I thought it was pretty good.
0: I'm a three, oh. two.
2: Okay and you gave
0: it a John, you gave it
2: a I don't even remember i got I would have to look at my letterbox for that, but I mean, I really enjoyed it that's one thing I think I gave it a four.
0: I think this movie is one of the most fun movies I've ever seen maybe <laughs> like i <I've, laughs> this is like I don't do four. i don't re four. Mm. i I don't like rewatch movies as much in the last several years I've been trying to watch you know newer stuff or older stuff and I don't know, and maybe since I saw a bad movie that I didn't like before I saw Palm Springs again, but like I think it's just such a fresh take on the Groundhog Day formula, and I know, I guess that Mm -hmm. was a spoiler at Sundance, but I feel like that's what people know about the thing, but like having it be like a rom-com, inviting someone else into this, I think was, I don't want to say revolutionary, but Revolutionary. I mean, because yeah. it's so different. Like, you're not just a singular person dealing with this on your own now. And you have Andy Sandberg, who I guess, slight spoiler alert, but not really. He was in here already first. And then you got Kristen, uh, Christine, Christine, Mil- uh, Kristen Miliaudi, fantastic. JK Sims is in here. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's just a great existentialist movie and it came at the right time, especially if they're you're a part of the group of people who saw it in July in this pandemic in the summer when you thought, God, I can't believe this is still happening. I hope it's over by September. And every day felt the same. And then you get these characters trapped in the same thing. And it's super funny. Uh, I love those characters. I like, it's just a blast to watch. And, I don't know. Like I, I got so much enjoyment. To me, this is the most joy I felt that wasn't, I guess, say, I guess, Lovers Rock uh, that I watched the entire year.
2: But mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I love this movie.
2: The writing is super clever, like super yeah. clever, and it's super. It's just like it's funny throughout. I mean, Andy Samberg, he's great. Like he's great, it, and so is uh, the woman too. Like they're th- Yeah, the chemistry between them is great. J.K. Simmons being in this movie was like the peak for me. Like when J.K. Simmons got introduced, I was like, all right, this movie is going to be, this is this, this is when it takes off. And I was correct. I, I I do think that it took off right there. And yeah, I mean, I did the same. I said the same thing in my review though. Like it's a, I feel like I love this new take on Groundhog Day and it really is new. Like it's original and it feels original and it's just, it's great throughout.
1: I I think I was initially disappointed with the movie um, and I guess I, I, I guess I still am. I, cause I, I was really expecting to love it and I ended up, you know, kind of being in the middle and, and then I've grown to like it more, but I think I, I didn't, I, I was originally like, so we've had like, you know, Groundhog Day is the romantic comedy of Groundhog Day. We've got Groundhog Day action with Edge of Tomorrow. We've got Groundhog Day horror with Happy Death Day. I, I trying to think of it, whatever else there's
3: Russian doll, which one? Russian doll. I never
0: saw. Oh yeah, but. well, like Russian yeah, doll. Yeah, Russian doll. Fantastic yep. show.
1: But um, and so I was like, and so like we had all these different genre versions of the repeating the same day thing. And so with this one, it's like another romantic comedy. And I was originally like, why do we need another romantic comedy version of this time loop thing? But I think you're right. As in, and I and I, and I thought about it more as I was watching it the second time. I was like, oh, it's smarter than I thought it was because it's not only just one person, it's two people and how they react to that. And I and I appreciated that more the second time than I don't think I picked up on that the first time.
2: And there is also a lot of stuff like in the movie, I'm not going to spoil it, but like there is a lot of stuff that you like, you don't think that somebody would do in that situation, but like it's a genius idea and they like, you know, they do it in the movie and it's like, that's great that she is doing that. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's great that, something so original could be like thought of
0: aiden's number three
1: my number three is uh is a nomad man my mom says that you're homeless is that true
4: no i'm not homeless i'm just houseless not the same thing right no don't worry about me i'm okay
2: Nomadland. There we go.
1: Uh, half of us love this movie and half of us <laughs> severely hate this movie and they're cold hearted assholes. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um is any uh how about you guys go first? The ones that uh were not the biggest fan, but-
0: Johnny, I'll let you go first. You saw The Most Recently.
3: Yeah, so I liked Nomadland. Um, I love Frances McDormand. She's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, I, th- there was a very weird disconnect, I thought, with her and the real nomads. Like There's a very distinct difference between watching an actor and not watching an actor. And and it, sometimes it was a bit jarring to me. Uh, when you would see her talking to other people, it felt... Because she's an actress giving a performance. Like At the end of the day, like she's not... You know, and then they they just seem like people talking. I can't really, you know, like it's a very good movie. Like it's it's very pretty, um, has great shots. um, But I I just uh, there was a moment in it where a character is quoting Shakespeare. And this is if I'm comparing this to Never Rarely Sometimes Always in like how they accomplish realism this one kind of had those moments where it was like too much of a movie, which didn't mesh with the other parts for me. Like there's a character quoting Shakespeare and I was like, if they cut to a montage with music, I'm going to punch a wall. <laughs> and then they did as you hear that the queer character quoting Shakespeare over the montage. And I, I rolled my, my eyes so hard. I, I saw my brain. Uh, but it's an adjo- it's a good movie. I understand why people love it. I just, yeah. I didn't
0: I mean, love it. No one's here. I think besides me has seen Chloe Zhao's previous movie, the Rider. Never seen it. Okay. Yeah. No, that was a no <laughs> from everyone. Okay. I, so I saw the Rider earlier last year and to me, you know, this is so interested in what she does with the turtles. Um, but like her from what I heard for her previous film is also like this. So she usually works with a bunch of non actors. And this is the first time where she had like a star. Uh because I think Francis McDormand actually cause you mentioned this in your view, Johnny. So she, I think, and not her husband, someone else, I think, got the rights to the book. Mm. And I think that was why she also was in this film. Um, but it's funny. I I don't a hundred percent disagree, but I do disagree a little bit. I do think that she Fits in with them. I just don't get the acclaim for her performance. I don't think she's really doing that much, and it's not like a bad. It's just like I don't really see the hype because in the year of I guess a bunch of quieter uh, internal performances. I don't feel like I feel like she's a conduit for this quote story. And I think all the non-actors, to me, stand out so much more. And, I mean, they're, like, real people uh, playing, basically, versions of themselves. And, I don't know, I just found this movie kind of boring. Like, I was dozing off twice, and I had to, like, rewind it and, like, take a Red Bull. And <laughs> I, I, I think the writer, like I said in my Letterbox review, but for people who don't have it, uh, <laughs> if you haven't learned by now, maybe if you like movies, you just get a Letterbox and log movies for yourself, if nothing else. But... I think the writer succeeds where no Manland land does it because it does have a purpose. Like for you guys who don't know the writers about this, you know, it, like their family, the main family that are playing themselves basically. Um, and, The lead, uh Cody, I believe, he is a horse rider, he gets in an accident, like gets kicked in the head, and now he's like, I don't know if I can ever ride again. Like, like he wants to, everyone's like, Oh, you're gonna get over this man, you're gonna just get healed and you're gonna start riding again. And the whole movie is him accepting his limitations. Like, you aren't you can't go back to this life. And maybe you can, but maybe you shouldn't, because you won't be at that same level and you could get hurt, and this time you could die and uh, that's the beginning of the movie where this the aftermath and the whole movie is him accepting this thing and it's very compelling and his family and you hear all those things it's a small community in like North or South Dakota and people are like hey are you you Cody? I'm like a, this kid man you're you're like my hero I want to be just like you when I grow up and to me it was so much more compelling than watching the Frantic McDormand and I don't want to belittle the movie but just be a nomad going around Job to job, doing these small things like I didn't not care about what she was doing. I was just I was waiting, I was waiting, I was waiting, and I don't think you need to have a bookend, but like hmm. I don't get the hype.
3: Well, well, and I think what you just described would be better if it was more if it did if it was trying to be less of a movie too, you know. And then that because that also brings me to the score, which I thought the score. was Oh my was god, I agree bad. with you. I yeah, it was so to me it was so like. Cry now. I, I yeah. couldn't take it. And I could have cried if they didn't tell me to. <laughs> like, Whoa. Like, like maybe the emotion would have worked if the music wasn't going like, no, no, you do it. You know,
0: I don't know. That's all. It was kind of distracting for me, honestly. <laughs> but uh, Defenders, the lovers of the movie. I
1: think, I think you guys, I think Johnny mentioned it in his letterboxes that like this movie more than likely wouldn't have been made if there wasn't a uh, star attached to it. And I think, I think Francis McDormand works because when I think of like act like super famous Hollywood actors who probably are down to earth and like chill people, Francis McDormand is on that list. Like if it were like a Jennifer Aniston in that role, it would just be so distracting oh. and it would be oh, awful. No, no, no. And it'd be like, she's like, Oh, I'm <laughs> one of you. And I'm just like, what in the what? But like Francis McDormand, I think she admitted like, that she I think she said in an interview she's like before this movie came out she's like I wanted to retire at 65 and go by Fern and be a nomad so I think this is kind of like a dream of hers is that like this is actually like something that I could buy her actually doing and like wreck and like her interaction with that people and I think what um because she's probably my I I think I I will be rooting for her for the Oscar this year um I think because she she gives us like subtle he, like very human performance and not like a very like she tries her best to bendland with the non actors but she's just so gifted that it's hard for her not to like give a, like acting but like I think what works about her and her character and what's interesting is that there's like she's kind of battling the expectations of what she thinks her life should be because. She kind of had, she, cause you have it, at, you are told that she had a life that she thought she would be content with and then that's taken away from her. And so she's kind of like dealing with like, what should I do with my life? And I think that like it, for me, it works is because like we are introduced to a male character and he kind of, he kind of is sort of this metaphor for like what her life could be but she realizes that like that's not what she needs and like she shouldn't like be and like she's got this like sister who expects her life and thinks it should be one way but she's constantly battling expectations and I think that Francis McDormand through your performance really brings that out and that's why I really loved her in this movie.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say the same. I mean, he nailed it on that honestly. That's the way I think about Francis McDormand's like um performance in this cuz I think it is also one of my it's also like one of my favorites this year. And I just think that, like, it's it's very subtly powerful, you know? Like, it is, it is powerful, like, throughout, at least in my opinion. And I also think that um, <laughs> I'm on the opposite side of the fence when it comes to score, because the score was something that I actually, like, attributed to my re- review of 4.5 Stars. I, like, loved the score, and I felt like it really, like fit in with the movie but obviously you know if you're looking at it you know a different way like it's just me i liked the way the score went and like the emotion that it kind of you know set out and i think that it was you know a really good depiction of you know like what like what, what that was like like what 2011 you know what the great recession you know really did because you know like you don't see a lot of movies that really deal with that that much you know like yeah like the big short with the housing bubble and everything like that but like this is like the aftermath of that like this is what you see this is what, what everyday what people was dealt like with. a direct yes that is like what the people on the you know working yeah. class people felt you know and, and i feel like it really really like depicts that very nicely and like you know it's not so much of a spoiler but like you know there's a reason francis mcdormand is 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 a nomad in the movie and like that reason is you know it's like it's heartbreaking but that's what happens and you know like anybody who knows me that knows i don't like you know the idea of politics not on like either side i just don't i'm not a fan of that at all but like i feel like the way that the movie depicts the fact that like you know the country does like to kind of like fuck you in a way. And if you can't take the fucking and are not in an economical, good economical stance, you're just going to keep on getting fucked. So why not go live in a van and just yeah. travel the fucking country? Like, why not? It seems like the, 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 the logical thing to do when you're in that type of, when, when you're in Francis McDormand's shoes, when you're in Fern's shoes. And I like the character of Fern like a lot.
3: I don't think anybody said this, but i I thought the best part of the movie was the editing oh, yeah. it was like like a movie I, everything about that like a movie that should be boring like if you told me this movie on paper I'd be like, that sounds boring but it, it was so well edited like every scene lasted just long enough
2: you know mm-hmm. yeah I never got yeah. bored.
0: I yeah, thought the it best part. Dragged of the movie,
2: in my oh. opinion, I never felt the drag. I'm sorry, Antigua. Continue.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, I, I, for me, the best part of the movie is the cinematography. That definitely, I don't know if it's the same one from the Rider, but she captures like the Southwest slash the Western vistas, just like like unlike anyone else. I feel like I mean they're gorgeous. films. And, and there's makes. a. And- mm-hmm.
1: The scene around the fireplace at the end, that almost I almost cried at that part. That was the closest I came to crying at that I part. I did cry.
2: I did cry for sure. I did cry. And the um I'll say I'll say text message. The text message that oh, nice. made me cry too. Um so that
0: was That was my number three. That was eight in three. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know. I could okay. So your number two uh,
1: Trial of Chicago 7. We're into the five stars for me right now. Trial of Chicago 7.
2: And the jury is instructed to disregard it. You're going to strike the entire cross examination.
3: I gave you and co counsel fine glass, ample co counsel's
2: name is Wineglass. Mr. Stahl's testimony under cross examinations. You are interrupting
1: red. the court again, Mr. Counsel. I think that this movie is kind of getting. I think that Aaron Sorkin is kind of getting flack for not people aren't saying he's a good director. I haven't seen Molly's game. And I think um, that this movie, I mean, you know, maybe it could have been even better with a different director. I don't know, but I think the direction worked just fine for, for me at least. And I wasn't really bothered by it. Um, but I think what's really, I mean, the the two main things about this movie are the performances and the, um, the script. I think that they are truly, uh, the entire cast is like not, there's not a weak link. I love all of them. And I think they're great. I've seen this movie about three mm-hmm. times now. And like my favorite, I think is still Sasha Baron Cohen. I think that he brings this good energy to the movie that I think it, a different actor wouldn't have been able to do, but he, Sasha's like so expertly brings this sort of, this, he he really brings kind of himself, Sasha's personality and person like public persona. He's able to bring that kind of energy into the movie, and I think like I don't know like I'm not the best to determine editing like good editing, but I actually really enjoyed the editing of Trial of the Chicago Seven. I don't.
0: I definitely have to agree. I mean, if anything, yeah. it's the yeah. most editing. This, movie is, this gonna, it's is probably going to win. Yeah. It's editing was amazing
1: because like they usually go for the oh, most. Editing. It has
0: to.
3: The scene even, where they're even cutting... the beginning. Yeah, the scene yeah. Where, Well, the beginning... The, but there's this incredible scene where you're cutting from the courtroom to Sacha Baron Cohen doing stand-up comedy describing the events to the actual mm-hmm. events. And you're cross-cutting between these three different things. And that was, like, incredible, I thought. I thought you
0: were going to mention my favorite editing was when we get to see what... Um, Oh my God! Uh, Eddie Redmayne's character when he's just like, okay, this is what, okay, this is what the okay, is what the, uh, the other side is going like, um, oh, yep, to like talk to you about. So, to- and then yeah. you see the events, and I was like, fuck! Yeah, I yeah. definitely, I, I,
3: I have mixed feelings on Eric Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin as a writer. I think he has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, it it didn't have one of his weaknesses where I think sometimes he suffers with the fact that all of his characters sound like the same person talking to themselves, but. <laughs> in this movie there was a good variety like everyone felt very well defined and different from each other my complaint though with aaron sorkin as a writer that i think is in this movie is he has this very like sappy sentimentality about america and our institutions and particularly in like his handling of the vietnam war there's i don't want to get too much into it but particularly in how it culminates in the last scene there was like a very this sort of like Uh, uh, left of center grandpa-ness about it that I, that just kind of
0: lost me, but. Showing respect for the dead, sir. Okay, okay, I do. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Oh, no, no. That's, that's the line I was, uh. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. But
3: in the history of movies portraying the Vietnam War, this goes back to like, good morning, Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. We still can't get past like the biggest tragedy of the Vietnam War was the American lives that were lost, uh, which if you listen to the, Actual Chicago 7. That was not the substance of what they talked about. But I I don't want to get too much into that. But it's a very good movie. I liked it very much. There was one actor who I did not know was going to be in the movie who showed up. And it's amazing. You see him. So it's
1: not even a spoiler. Oh, really? I didn't even notice
3: Right. But I didn't know he was going to be in it and it was great. And then he kind of fizzles out and has nothing to do with the actual movie because his role ends up meaning nothing, which kind of was disappointing, but it was nice to see him too. Yeah.
1: I think that the (laughs) Oh, the ending is probably the most polarizing thing for people. I think that really makes or breaks the movie. And like, I think like if it were a fictional story, I'd be like, okay, this is bullshit. But it's, I mean, it's based off of a real, the real ending, I guess. So like, it wasn't as like, I was like, it's corny, but it's like, that's what happened in real life. So it's kind of like, I get it. It has to be in the movie.
3: I have to tell you guys, David Dellinger, his actual closing speech that he gave in real life, that's John Carroll Lynch's character in the movie, is far better than anything Sorkin has maybe ever written <laughs> in
4: his career.
3: Oh, and it's not in the movie. It's like <laughs> he was sour about it. So David Dellinger has a very small role in, in the whole movie. but So there are aspects oh. to the real case that I think could have oh. been... Franklin Gella could get an Oscar for being the most
2: despicable son of a bitch in the history of movies. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I think a really underrated actor in Trial of Chicago 7 is um, Jeremy Strong, who plays Jer- yeah. Jerry Is Rubin. anyone Succession fans? Like Succession, okay. right succession? here. Succession. Yes, I TV, love probably. Succession. Dude, Succession he's, is he's, amazing. He's succession, good at big short, too. Yes, he is. Yeah, and Succession is kind of that Adam McKay Big Short feeling. Well, I think if you like, if you're it. ever gonna watch, yeah, it, yeah, if you're ever gonna watch Succession, like that, it's a show that is that, and it's about like corporate, like pretty much corporate America, I guess you could say. But like, it's just really good, and Jeremy Strong in it is amazing, and. Like you know, he's obviously he has other roles. He's he's in the Big Short and he's phenomenal in the Big Short as well. And like, but I thought that he was really good in this as Jerry Rubin. Like, just specifically for the fact that like you watch him in these other movies and <laughs> you watch him in Succession and then you see Jerry Rubin and you're like, dude, he's a, this guy yeah, can do anything. He's, he's versatile as shit. I didn't he's recognize a good
4: him.
2: Actor. <laughs> so that was your two. So.
3: John M. Achner, number three. My number three is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh,
1: shit. We used to play the genius edition of the, uh, we used to play the genius edition of, we used to play the genius edition of Trivial Pursuit. What?
2: It's genius edition.
1: Oh, I always thought the word was genius. I've been saying it wrong all these years. (laughs) Goes to show. I'm no Genius. (laughs)
3: The new Charlie Kaufman film. Um, I, I I just I think I was just blown away. I, I it's a movie that's very dense. It's full of references to literature and films, and like there's the reference to Pauline Kael's review of a Woman Under the Influence. Like the movie encapsulates like a um, a stream of consciousness in a way that most movies I think haven't been able to like it eventually like starts, it goes by its own logic and eventually you start accepting that logic. At least I did. Um, and especially the way that characters, I think something that makes movies unsettling are when the main characters don't even acknowledge that something that is unsettling is unsettling. Like nobody is in on like understands that like there's no audience surrogate for a lot of it. Um, but, um, it ends up, I think, being very resonant and very sad, like uh, very misanthropic in the way that Charlie Kaufman likes to tell stories about uh, people and their inner demons. Kind of himself. Um, he likes to tell stories about himself. Yes. Yes. And I understand this is based on a book. I've never read the book. But um, uh, amazing performances. Uh, uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis, especially, in their section mm. of if the movie. they were in more of it, I would uh, say and the Oscars, makeup,
1: but they're not in enough
3: of it. Yeah the makeup that use for their characters is incredible. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I was so, I was, I was in like a, I was hypnotized. And then there's a sequence. I'll just say there's a dance sequence eventually that just, I was like, just when I thought this movie couldn't wow me any further, it does a whole nother thing. And, uh, yeah, I just, I loved it. Uh, great, great cinematography too. The snowy atmosphere, like the, it feels very overbearing and, um, you know, feels like there's no other world out there. Uh, it, it reminded me in a weird way. I think Krampus did something similar <laughs>
2: <laughs> with snow. <laughs> Not, it's a very weird
3: comparison, but yeah, this is my number three.
2: Uh, Could you like at like I, without spoiling? Because I just honestly <laughs> like I'm I'm all about ambiguity, and I like ambiguity in film. But like, what the fuck was happening in this movie? There's like, really, okay. wait, really good I mean, I know it's hard to do it, that without spoiling. Like, there are g- yes, there is good like, analysis out there. I just feel like I was just so lost <laughs> throughout it all. Like, I was like, this is all over the place. I was like, I mean, the- I get, I get it. I mean, I can tell it's good. I can tell, like, the writing, right. the cinematography. I can tell it's good. But at the same time, I'm like, I truly don't understand what the fuck I just watched. <laughs> That's why in Letterboxd, I didn't even give it a rating. I was like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck happened. So like, I okay. can't even judge it. So it is very hard to describe it without spoiling it. I, I, <laughs> I will
3: say I recommend looking up uh, Adam. Uh, your movie sucks. I recommend watching his review because he kind of gets into the specifics of the specific movies that are referenced and, and how that pays off okay. uh, and stuff like that. But I, I – It is, I mean, essentially the movie is a stream of consciousness. Like, it's not, you know, it's meant to be taken literally. I'm sure you already knew. Everybody already knew that. That's kind of obvious once you see the movie. Uh, But, yeah, there's not much else to say without spoiling it. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, So my number two is a movie that... Really affected me emotionally more than any other movie from last year and that's promising young woman
4: My
1: assistant says that you are interested in resuming med school That's right. May I ask what prompted your desire to get back to your studies? I guess
4: I Couldn't stop thinking about my time here.
2: Yeah that's
3: a- a Directorial debut of Emerald Fennel, I believe and I thought it was visually it was incredible. It was like had this color palette that just like popped and you wanted to look at it, it was like all photogenic. Um, and uh, I think Chris Stockman said it looks like candy, which is what I, I'd agree with. Um, <laughs>
0: it's like uh, nails.
2: that's a good
0: <laughs> yes, wait. And and it was only on Johnny and I's list, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's not on, on, my, on list. my list, it's not on okay. My that list.
0: was my number nine,
3: okay. Um, it, it, it's uh I think Carrie Mulligan gave one of the best performances of the year. Personally, uh, um, she she goes to a lot of very different places. The way that the movie the movie truly is a dark comedy. Sometimes people use that phrase, I think, flippantly. Like they'll say "horrible bosses" is a dark comedy because it's a comedy about murder. But like that's nah. a comedy, you know. But this the is black like comedy. This is truly a dark. Com- this is a the blackest black comedy and
1: dark comedy. <laughs>
3: Right, right. Um, and it, it's, I think handles the material in a very, a very um, um, emotionally resonant way in a way that's not pornographic. Like I, by pornographic, I mean, there are movies, I think, I think of like Lars von Trier and how he likes to like shove his camera in people's faces while they're crying. And to like a certain extent, I think that's pornographic. Uh, there's a great <laughs> interview with uh, Michael Haneke talking about that, where this movie, you can feel that pain and you can feel that weight, but you're also seeing a character who's not showing it. Um, and, and, there's this off kilter sense of humor that's unsettling as well, I think. Uh, the way that the movie casts a lot of male actors against type, I thought was pretty cool because that kind of breaks down its sort of criticisms of of quote unquote nice guys and uh, uh, you know, and then th- it's genuinely heartbreaking. There's a plot twist in the movie that made me say no out loud. Uh, Cause it upset me so much because I was so invested Mm
0: -hmm. in
3: so much of the story that it it like,
0: it it really, I felt betrayed. Johnny, Um, I hmm. didn't, I don't know if I'm an idiot. I didn't think that could happen. And that was, I thought it was being played as like, oh, cause later it's going to be like, oh, boom. (laughs) Right. But like. It never did. And I think I need to rewatch the movie again, because the whole time until, like, you know, fire, I was like, oh. Right. So that's...
2: Unfortunately, I felt like I did predict that. I felt like I I knew that that was going to happen, but... Uh, I know what wait, you mean. I was yeah. thinking of a
3: different, I
1: was thinking yeah. of a different no, twist. No, I know what he's Sorry. talking about. There's an oh, earlier twist. Wait, yeah, no, no. Oh! Yes. oh one thing he's talking there about, a I did twists. not see coming at all. Because I assumed the story was going to... Me either. Was trying to say one thing about it. Yes. But then it's just like it, black, it backstabs you and, you're, and they're like, yeah, you fucking thought yeah. it.
0: Like holy and shit! It, yeah. I
1: had a feeling, and I was like, I guess as, not. As I guess soon as there's not. a yes. plot in place like, oh, that's introduced, shit. I was like, oh, oh my god, this is gonna happen.
3: Right, and um, uh, a lot of good setups and callbacks. A lot of great bit parts from actors. Connie Britton's really good in the movie. Alfred Molina is really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Bo, Burnham's Bo, know, Burnham's he's, he's, I, Bo Burnham is great. Bo so Burnham's amazing. He's tr- so charming. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, like Adam Brody, Chris Freeman's class, all these guys show up. Um, but yeah, it it goes to some devastating places and it kind of leaves me, it felt left me transcendent in a way at the end where I wasn't happy and I wasn't sad. I, but I felt emotion, (laughs) like I felt a rush of emotions and there's a certain song that's used where it's been used in many films and I thought it was the best use of that song in any movie that I've seen, um, yeah, can't can't say enough good things about it. Uh it, it's a movie that genuinely I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't spoil the movie, but also doesn't make me sound like a terrible person because I don't mean to sound like terrible. It makes me examine my own behavior and want to be a different person in some ways. And that's not to say that I'm a horrible person like the people in this movie are, but it makes you examine who you associate yourself with and and what behavior you decide to allow in real life, because the movie really gets into little things, not just the main trauma that's in the movie. And I thought that was really cool. And there's a great interview with Emerald Fennel where she says, like, she hates, she's sick of lipstick and machete revenge movies, which is a, a very interesting For And I know exactly what she was talking about. And I thought this movie was a total,
0: like, antidote to that type of revenge movie. So. Yeah, this is what. Oh, I was gonna say, this is like way more nuanced than I thought it was, uh, going to be but i'll let you i think it really Mm.
1: says it says something important about how people handle trauma and like we all deal with it in different ways and i think that she's constantly the character is constantly being put down about how she's reacting to this trauma and she just she handles it her own way and i think we need to like realize that like people deal with their shit in their own way and there's no right way to deal with it yeah and like especially like I don't know. i am sounding like, I mean, I'm a white guy here. So, but especially like with women, it seems like, you know, they're, they're, you know, told to bottle up things and like, not over not over, not, not over but like not care about, like they're told to stop caring about things at a certain point. And it just, this movie is like, you don't necessarily need to let go of the bad feelings. Sometimes you're just, you're justified in feeling how you're feeling.
3: Yeah, and this was the one movie I saw in theaters post uh, post COVID beginning. So, because uh, I, I, I really wanted to see it from the tra- that was a trailer I rewatched many times with the violin cover of Toxic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, very good. Are we on
2: to, Are we onto John's number two
0: uh, or number yeah, three? Three.
2: Sorry. three, three. Yep. All right, coming in at number three at four and a half stars. The vast of night.
4: Is Officer Pruitt or Boker around?
0: He's not here, and Mr. Pruitt left with them.
4: Well, they didn't answer at the station. No one's at the station. No, they were here, but a trucker just
1: came in off the highway and reported something. What? He didn't say,
2: but it whipped the
4: wind up and made.
0: That's my of night. number three. Vast. That's anyone else? Like my that was 12. my number four. <laughs> it's- Johnny Very close. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Johnny, you son of a bitch, you undersold this. <laughs> I thought it was only gonna be I mean, I saw that you actually gave it four. Um, but I thought everyone had a three and a half this summer, and then I was like, this I gave it four fucking.
3: I give it four and a half when I first saw it, and then I oh, mm-hmm. shit. brought it down just a bit.
0: Okay. Dude. I think this is phenomenal. John, it's your highest, so I'll let you go. Oh
2: man, I love it. I love I love you know, this is another one of those movies like you know, the camera work alone, like gave me chills pretty much like I like, you know, you don't see the way that they use cameras in this movie, like very often. And I just like, I loved it. And like the two leads, Jake Horowitz and Sierra McCormick, like they have like really good chemistry together. And it just flows really well, like, especially Jake Horowitz, like Jake Horowitz's dialogue in this movie. Yeah, like, it just goes and it just keeps on going. And he's, (laughs) he just nails it. Like, like, as he's going, it's like, Oh, my God, dude, I am so invested in this movie, like, like 10 minutes in, I was like, I am so invested. And it just, you know, keeps on getting better and better, in my opinion. To a point where, like, it takes you to a point where you don't really know what is about to happen. And then what ends up happening, you're kind of just like, holy shit, I've never, I didn't expect this, nor did I, like, nor did I see it happening the way it did. And did you have to turn on
3: subtitles because the dialogue was so snappy? It
2: was, yeah, like, yeah, I no, to catch I did. Every moment. I almost yeah, <laughs> did. Yeah, because I knew, because, like, you know, like, because you know it immediately. Like, you're like, this guy, this guy's, this guy's going. I got to, yeah. like, I got to know everything he's <laughs> saying because, now. like, and, um, Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I loved it. It was a phenomenal watch. And there is, this is not a spoiler, but there is a switchboard scene. Yes. And this switchboard scene straight up, like, sold me on the movie. Like, when this switchboard scene happens, I'm like, this is, like, one of the coolest things I've seen in a movie in, like, the longest time.
0: When you realize that something... It's one take. Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. blows your mind. The moment, yeah. it's, I
3: love the moment because it's not showy. It's the kind of shot where you go, holy shit, this has all been one take. Yeah. Like you realize yeah. after you've it's been watching it deal. for a while. It's just a,
1: It's just <laughs> one yeah. take. It's not a big deal.
0: Yeah. And it's right. not a big budget. I mean, $700,000. This man. Dude. Take that <laughs> Andrew Alejandro Patterson. G in your retail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know where most of Andrew it Patterson went. Andrew Patterson is. You know where most of it went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, I mean, like, it's hard to not, like, when people say, like, oh man, you're like a, you're a feature Spielberg. Like, I, I now we got to stop doing that because it's too much pressure. And then you mm. get Shyamalan later career, <laughs> besides the good but, movies, uh, once in a while. But Andrew Patterson, the co writer and the director, he. I mean, he crafted such an amazingly sleek-looking movie. I mean, my God. Like, it goes from, like like I said this is my Letterboxd review, like, it's so kinetic at first. Like you said, like, the fast dialogue. We're going with all these characters real quick. And then this movie slows down. But not in a bad way at all. It is... You are the people I you know people say this all the time. I really was leaning in. Yes. Oh, yeah. definitely listening One, 100%. My heart was po Isn't there a scene isn't there a part where the screen goes black? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and just like, it's just talking. My mouth was open. I couldn't believe it. I'm like this is fu-. It was so very someone- much like
2: the
3: scene in her where the screen goes black. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but just just
2: without like, you know, uh sex. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her last episode last week
0: check it out now um yeah um let me explain i remember uh uh he was <laughs> talking about this um uh arturo and he said that he he liked it but he thought it would be better as a podcast cuz it basically was and i was like <laughs> yeah i can see that especially those segments like my god i mean i didn't know the thing that happens, well, like, eventually, oh, so this is what maybe this is. Someone did say that thing, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't know that before. And I, w- I wish I didn't, because the real of that, if you don't know anything, is so much more powerful. It's still so great, but I was like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is one of the best films of the year. I mean, it's my number it's three. Absolutely.
3: Dude. But the filmmaking is... a Very important part of why it's great, though, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't get how you
0: film some of this shit.
2: Like, I I mean, I said it already, but like the the camera work in this movie is like insane to me. Like, Hmm. it really, honestly, is like you're you are traversing this town. Have you read about how they did it? Like, no, they
3: had like a kid on a bike. what <laughs> yeah there's so much it's like it. it is the most so, ins- it's one of those mov- things where i'm rooting for the movie because i'm <laughs> so inspired by what they yeah. did with their resources it's like oh it's it just puts a smile on
0: your face you know i just i just want to say this the car scene at the end
2: yeah oh yeah <sighs> yeah oh yeah
0: talk about setup and fucking payoff <laughs> i was like
2: uh john you're number two number two Everybody guessed it. You guessed it, you guessed it, and you guessed it. Christopher Nolan's Tenet.
0: He knew every move we made. Every one of them. Somebody talked. Who was it? Was it you? No, no, no. At every stage, you've known too much. I'm going to ask you
2: again. Did you talk? That is my number two. Anybody else? Well, you know what? I um, liked it. This movie is phenomenal. When I said that I went to Chicago to watch a movie in 70mm, and then I watched it again three times in theater, that was Tenet, and I loved it. Everybody who knows me, though, does know, you know, I mean, I'm obsessed with Christopher Nolan. I really do love all of Christopher Nolan's work. He's daddy. Yes, yes he is. Yes he is. John David Washington and Robert Pattinson in this movie are great as well. Honest, I mean, they're not on the level of you know all the other powerful performances that I've already mentioned on the list, but... Overall, this movie to me is genius. And going even, you know, deeper, if you get, you know, the Blu-ray, there's like an hour-long documentary on it that goes way more in depth about it. And it just makes you even think about more how genius this movie actually is. Um, so I do want to give out at least a synopsis because I mean it's tenant, it's huge. I feel like people already like you know know about it, but like, you know, like this man. Armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, the protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. Now, when there was a review when this movie first came out, which was James Bond and um, 007 on acid, completely agree that is like a perfect review for this movie, in my opinion, because I feel like the protagonist, who is the main, you know, who is the protagonist in the movie, is like a James Bond, like he 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 traverses through the entire world in like that type of swagger that that John David Washington brings to the screen. That I at least think. And um, my one problem that I had with it, and it was a lot of people's problem, is the sound. Everybody gave this movie's sound quality pretty much shit from the moment it came out. Now watching it in seventy millimeter in a theater that. Well, you know, it's the music box in Chicago, so it's been around for like ninety five years. It's nothing special with sound, but watching it so crisp in seventy millimeter is amazing. With any movie, there I go there all the time. I saw two
3: thousand one there. It's
2: really cool, dude. I wanted to go see two thousand one there. I've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hateful Eight in seventy millimeter, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in seventy millimeter, and um, Joker in seventy millimeter. And um, no, I feel like this movie. Like the sound there, I completely understand because when I got out of that movie for the first time, I was like, man, I did not hear much of that. I did not catch any of that. And I saw it again when I came home. Then like I came home from Chicago the next day, I uh, illegally ripped it and put it on my home theater that I have in, in, in my apartment right now with my big screen and I have good speakers. And I could hear it so much better. And I was like, okay, this is just, this is better. But then when theaters opened back up, I saw an IMAX. And that is truly the way to watch this movie is an IMAX. I really feel like that's just, that's the one way that you need to watch Tenet. Too late. Is an IMAX. Yeah, I know. It's not going to, it's not going to be the same because I really do feel like this movie needs to be seen in IMAX. Like, but now that it's out, there are subtitles, so it's much better, but there aren't subtitles when you're watching this in the theater. So like, if you don't have good sound, you're lost, but this is a four and a half. It would have been a five if the sound was, you know, better all around in every theater, but it wasn't. But I do just want to talk about the fact that the score by Ludwig, um, Gorhan, Gorhansen is intense and it's. Fucking sets the stage for like the whole movie and it just keeps you on like an ongoing track. And um yeah, my praise for tenant. That's my praise for tenant. My number two is another round.
0: For
3: lit? Yeah. Okay. Oh
0: Thomas shit Thomas Vinterberg, know. that's right. The movie I saw. Thank you for the Italian guy on one of the many <laughs> film groups on Facebook for saying yeah I got this uh, to work with my VPN and I'm not I'm in fucking Italy and this is a Canadian film festival I'm like thank you so much does anyone
1: have this anyone have to bump this
2: that's what I was about to say should we even bump it like is there a is reason this your number one it's my number one of course another round oh. is my number one of
0: 2020 oh. anyone else have this on their list I can't remember. Okay. Yes, let's talk about it. Please. Um yeah. This is an incredible movie. Um I think Mads Mickelson is just one of the best actors that is so underrated. And I mean, I remember this movie is so good that I almost wanted to try. The the premise of the movie Just, day drinking, just uh, day drinking Day <laughs> drinking just enough to be Like slightly intoxicated where you can still Like function uh, and then you know The rest of this movie happens and then I'm like Yeah that's a bad idea <laughs> uh, I mean it's like one of the Funniest movies of the year it's one of the most heartbreaking Movies of the year in certain terms Um, I mean it's just about like getting To I guess a place in life I guess you could say middle age I mean that's what the four of these uh, teachers Are who are also friends they just feel like nothing's going good anymore in their life. Like there's just, what's the point? And like, they're missing that spark that you get. Um, (laughs) Spark for later. Um, And yeah, uh, I think it's a, it's a great movie. Um,
2: John, what do you have? Uh, I mean, I loved literally every aspect of this movie. I had so much, I mean, I don't want to say fun because it's not a, generally fun movie but it is like from start to finish i think it's literally absolutely brilliant and everything that happens along the entire journey i think is i mean it's it's brilliant like the movie is an experiment and you know that this is exactly what like would not mean not exactly what would happen for sure when this experiment was you know like um done but i do think that like the whole cast has like incredible chemistry with each other i feel like they're like all best friends in real life or something like like it almost feels like they are best friends in real life even though in the movie they're like they're they're kind of friends some of them at in the beginning and then it you know keeps on going but like i really honestly feel like coming from the music all of the story decisions the screenplay like all of it i just i loved every second of it I five think this stars. has the
0: second. Oh, fuck five. Okay, this is the five. I think this has the second best ending of the year.
2: I think it has the best ending of the year, and I still to this day, since since I watched it, will watch. I'm watched. I watch that ending constantly, and I listen to the song at the end too. It's so
0: cathartic and. I mean, after the pain... Because I think it's, like, a perfect one of those movies. I mean, it's, like, perfectly set up. Like, you know, the rise, everything's going good. Like, you know, it's not like a Scorsese movie, but how a lot of Scorsese movies have someone, like, you know, doing something maybe wrong, and it's like, yeah, everything's really good, and then the shit hits the fan, and then it's just, like, the falling action. But this is, you know, like, different (laughs) and way, way smaller scale. Um, And it's interesting, just, like, you know, the Danish school system. I was like, I don't know anything about this. So that was very interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Like the feeling I got from this movie, I can't believe it's my number two. Like it's I was like, is there anything gonna beat this at number two? And I was looking and I was like, I don't know. Like it's hard to describe unless you've seen it, I feel like this is just such an amazing film. I highly recommend it. It's available to rent on Apple, I think or like 5 or 6.99 right now and probably like on Amazon to rent. But yeah, see it, see The Hunt. Um I think Thomas Vinterberg has such a great way of capturing faces. But yeah, I think yeah, explores alcoholism in a very interesting way that I've not really seen done before. Um and yeah, like yeah, like the ending. Really, I feel like is the highlight of this
2: movie. Like the, it's the ending is like what sticks, and it sticks yeah. so hard. Oh, oh my yeah. god! And that song, mm. it's so good. It's so amazing to me. And I, I'm just you know, I'm just honored to even be able to say I've watched it this year. Honestly, I was, I love it.
1: What film had the best ending this year? Then, if you think this is the second best ending, ever. oh, we'll talk about
0: it, Aiden.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously,
2: obviously, I know you're number one now. Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
0: Uh, So that means, Aiden, your number one movie of 2020 is...
1: And that was spoiled a minute ago, but yep, soul, soul. Disney Pixar's soul. Then he has the inner voices, and it's
0: like he's... It's like he's singing. And I swear the next thing I know, it's like he... Floats off the stage. That guy was lost in the music. He was in it, and he took the rest of us with him.
1: I rewatched it the other day, and I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I feel like when I watch a movie that I'm like, "This is a five star movie," or like, "This is like super high up for me." And then you rewatch it, and your brain is like, "You don't like that part." You actually, you think that sucks. And my brain sometimes does that. It's like I love this movie so much, but sometimes my brain is like. They'll, like, go out of its way to find shit to, like, criticize that I don't even really agree with. So, like, I was watching this the other day because I was, like, I wanted to make sure it's not my number one. And obviously it still is. But I was, like, I think that's how you know you got a good movie is when your brain is, like, trying to, like... is Your brain is trying to, like... Your brain can't process that you can love a movie this much, which is a feeling that I don't get all often... But what really, it really did that for me here. Um, so quick backstory, Pixar is the reason that I love film so much. I grew up watching VHS copies of Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and A Bug's Life. And I, they really inspired me to look at stories. And like, because, you know, I, when you're a kid, you watch a lot of animated movies and kids' movies and stuff like that. And like, I, I gravitated towards all of Pixar's movies because it was like they were saying something they weren't talking down to me they were they were talking to me and treated me like I was in a, like, like a viewer like any other viewer of the movies and they really inspired and their behind the scenes uh featurettes on their dvds of them storyboarding out movies and like voice acting movies and I was like this and I was like so inspired I was like I love movies more than I think maybe other people in my class do like people like movies to watch them. And, but I was like, I feel like I love the art of doing this and that's what inspired it. And so like I was inspired by filmmakers like John Lasseter and Brad Bird and Andrew Stanton and Pete doctor who directed this movie. And I was like, their movies have always, and Pixar has always spoken to me. Even their worst movies aren't that horrible to me, but this one is the first time since probably like this is the my first five star since like ratatouille of their movies and i was like this is like this deserves to be up there in the ranks i have a pixar rank this is and this is my number four i was so emotionally moved by this movie and loved every aspect about it and it just means so much to me yeah sorry for going on too long
0: it's a great film i uh i enjoyed it it's i think number number (laughs) nine or ten for me
2: I definitely Dude. enjoyed it. I liked what Johnny said earlier about the, the title credits. That was that was lit. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Also, yeah. one
2: of my top ten
3: favorite Pixar characters of all time now is Terry. Uh, <laughs> oh it's my Terry god. Time.
0: <laughs> Did you know that was the person from Thor Ragnarok who's just like um the yeah. slaves, like the Jeff Goldblum's uh that woman yeah. with Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like uh, Rachel House. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, I thought it was a guy just talking the whole time. So I was like, what the fuck?
2: Who's Wait, she, she also uh, plays the, the grandma in Moana. Wow.
0: Oh, my God. I can't handle this, this much revelation. And, uh,
3: <laughs> but that is great. It's like, it's Terry time. I, I also liked uh, the, the on the pirate ship. They're playing this song that's like a vague parody of a Bob Dylan song.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's brilliant. Uh, this versus Wolfwalkers. The mo- main reason I think I have this higher... Um, is because I think the themes and the meanings are a little bit deeper, and I would say that this is more oriented towards adults, but kids can obviously also enjoy this film. But I mean, and another thing, I I, I like this is I guess like why I didn't give it a four and a half or five stars, but this isn't like a problem with the movie. I don't think that. Tina Fey or Jamie Foxx did like one of those standout Pixar voice jobs, I guess, for me personally. Like, you're like, God damn, that was like an amazing voice acting job. Like, I thought they did a good job, but not like. It was peak. no Billy
3: Crystal as Mike Wazowski.
0: <laughs> yeah, or no. Albert Brooks no, no. as uh, Marlin. Marlin. um But like, I still think they did a good job. I don't want it to sound like I didn't like them. I think it was just like. I didn't have anything special when they were the characters for me. Really? I, yeah.
1: I, I felt that with Pixar's other movie this year onward, I totally I, felt yeah. even hundreds, more there. Yeah. Way more that. I didn't notice it for here because I think they make a really good joke about why Tina Fey is the cast in this movie. That was hilarious. She, she's like, cause annoying white ladies, she sounds like an annoying white lady, which mm-hmm. I think is just a really good gag. Um, and I, but I love Jamie Fox in this movie. But yeah, I think the problem with Onward is that usually Pixar goes for the right choice and they went for the financial choice on an yeah. Onward. They went with the marketable choice instead of who actually could fit those characters. But um, I think it's for me, it's my favorite score of the year. And I think it's going to win the Oscar for it. It seems like it's the front runner. I Does agree. everyone agree? It was, yeah,
3: yeah, it was a score great score. phenomenal. I'd I say. mean,
0: literally for Mink which we never talked about the score from Inc., which is amazing. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, I mean, they have two of the best scores of the year. (laughs) Like, it's pretty... But I think Soul, definitely. And I want to shout him out, too, because people kind of are overlooking him. John Baptiste, who does, like, the jazz arrangements. Um, Yeah. He he is also phenomenal. He too, with them. Yeah. And also, Kent Powers. I don't know if he co-wrote and or co-directed this movie, but he also is the writer... Of uh, the play and the adaptation of the screenplay for One Night in Miami. And so, great year. Also, I the... Think t- oh, sorry. Now I was you, just saying... Now you, now you can go, Don't Johnny.
1: go ahead.
3: Oh, I was just saying, Soul is, I think, honestly, one of the funnier Pixar movies in a lot of ways. Like, they have this reoccurring, like, these Family Guy-style cutaway gags multiple times <laughs> that, that made me laugh. I thought it, the comedic beats were, like, some of the highlights of the movie.
0: Amazing. Yeah.
3: But, um... Yeah onto Johnny Johnny's number one. number one my number one uh, so my number one movie of this year was a movie that is the exact type of movie that I would try to write that I have tried to write uh, it, like it's it's me as a movie um, and that is uh, the babysitter killer queen and uh, no, I'm kidding like my number one is um, the kid detective
2: I used to be a kid detective when I was 13, I solved the case of the missing fundraiser money. It was Rory Beans, the neighborhood knucklehead.
4: Yeah, Rory. Oh. I knew
2: it. Oh. I,
0: I just felt it. I was like, didn't he give it that high score? Where the hell is this movie? Isn't this number one? You know, now it's,
2: now we can talk about Nirvana, the band, the show, and yes. Jay McCarroll and his amazing score in this movie.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. the score. See, this is personally my favorite score of the whole year. Um mm-hmm. it, it's got this like childlike innocence to it, which is necessary. Uh, but you know, there's that like th- it's very inspired by previous genres. There's some noir inspiration, as you would expect, because it's a detective movie. Uh we said Nirvana the Band, of the show, directorial debut mm-hmm. of Evan Morgan of Nirvana the Band, of the show. Oh. Um, I think his first solo script, too. Um, and it's just and so when I was young, I wrote a script for an Encyclopedia Brown movie, um, but as like a hard-boiled detective movie because I love mm. detective stories. Like if there's any genre or a subgenre I'm really addicted to, it's detective stuff. And so this is kind of that because it's about like an Encyclopedia brown ass detective, but now he's grown up and he's just like a – he's just a deadbeat private detective uh, who ends up having to solve a really important case. And Adam Brody is really good in the movie. Yeah, I, I thought. He's like relatable, but he's believable as like a slob, uh, and you just kind of pity him. Um, It's got shades of like Brick, like Ryan Johnson's Brick, a little bit, uh, but it's kind of got the wit of like a Shane Black movie. There are so many great running gags. um, There are so many setups and callbacks. There's a little thing involved. There's a drink (laughs) that ends up being an important plot point at the end of the movie that you. And it's, and I'm a sucker for setups and payoffs and good structure and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I'm very boring at the end of the day. And so I was, I loved that stuff. I laughed out loud so many times. The way that the, like the small town atmosphere is there and you feel it's like this. It's this like very, the small quaint town that you only see in fiction, but it's being slowly invaded by reality, which Mm. comes to a head in like this scene towards the end that was so tense. It was a scene with no music where you're finding out the mystery essentially and you could hear the room noise in the scene because they're just sitting on this conversation and there's not a single joke in the conversation it's like the jokes stop and Mm. you're being confronted by something that's very disturbing and and uh i was like leaning forward it was like you know um the vast of night and uh i just i was you know taken away by this movie and this is 100% the kind of movie that I have tried to write the kind of movie I will try to write for the rest of my
2: life it's just it's just like so it speaks to me in that mm-hmm. way not nah, dude I loved it too I love I really did love this movie um and honestly the only thing I knew about it at all before we even talked about before we talked about it in the group was um was jay mccarroll doing the score i wanted to see it solely because of that and me and my buddy gino we love nirvana the band the show just we're ultimate fanboys and all i needed to hear was jay mccarroll and i was like yo gino we need to go watch this and then they shut down theaters like right then (laughs) yeah
3: uh, yeah, it's it's worth watching. I'm I'm gonna buy the Blu-ray when it's out for sure. Definitely. I just, uh, yeah, if there's especially if there's like a commentary or something, I'd love to hear them talk more about this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and
2: Dagua. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: oh, I yeah, no, I loved it too. I yeah, I was I yeah, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So you guys, said, you guys honestly said everything that I was thinking. So yeah.
0: So okay, my number one this movie affected me unlike anything else my number one is directed by darius martyr and it is sound of metal what
4: are you talking about what are you saying i can't hear
2: you i can't fucking hear you do you understand me i can't i'm fucking deaf i'm fucking deaf
4: no fucking hearing okay okay
0: um this is available on amazon prime uh if you have it if you haven't seen it i definitely Cannot uh, recommend this highly, uh, more highly. Um, and it was what number on your other list? Ten. Ten?
2: It was my number ten of the year.
0: <clears throat> like I said when I was comparing Nomad Land to Chloe Zhao's The Writer, um, this is um, just like that in a certain way, The Writer. Um, I mean, I think I, re- I relate to Ruben a lot. Um, Riz Ahmed's character, who gives to me maybe the best acting performance of the year I've seen so far. Um, Paul Racy um, gives one of the, to me the best one of the best, if not the best, supporting acting performance I've seen. Maybe I think he's phenomenal. Olivia Cook's also very good in this film. Um, I think Sound of Metal brought out the thing that I wrestle with a lot, and it is: what if the thing that you want to do the most in life you can't anymore? because something happens and coming to grips with that is what this movie is i mean Mm because like the one thing i wanted to do in life is acting it's like (laughs) with soul like that's like my spark i feel like that's the thing besides just watching and talking about movies that gives me the most joy in my life and you know i thought about this a lot like if some accident happens where it would probably prevent me at least from doing it as um I guess, if I was completely able-bodied as much, and I think this is a movie that explores that completely. I mean, Ruben, like, it's not a spoiler, like, it's about a drummer who starts to lose their hearing, and it's so much more intimate than you would think it is. The sound design in this movie is probably the thing that stands out the most. Yes. I mean, yes, 100%. I've never. You don't. Yeah, you feel like Ruben when he starts losing his hearing. The sound design makes you. It's just. It's amazing how they muffle the sound. I mean, Riz Ahmed. He said at first he wore a thing that like blocked sound in his ear before he started saying, "Nah, I'm just gonna, you know, hear, but you know, pretend not to hear." I mean, he learned sign language for this movie. He learned a drum for this movie. I mean. And this is the movie to me that has the best ending of the year. It's not like, oh, so that's the the one to be the ending. Like, it makes sense. Like, it's a perfect, it's like, it makes sense for what was said earlier, but it doesn't get rid of or take away from any of the poignancy that it has. Um, I mean, the representation of deaf people, like, you never get to see in film, really. And I thought that was done so well. I I think it's just, this is an incredible film. And I don't know why I don't give it five stars myself, but yeah, Sound of Metal is my mm-hmm. number
2: one of the year. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's a four star for me.
1: It, Fantastic. Yeah, um it's a th- it's a three star for me. Honestly, like it was I thought I was gonna love it more than I did. Um, but I ended up actually I liked it pretty I liked it. I pretty much liked it. And um I think that it it um there's like a, the, that party scene that you mentioned is is very similar to um a part in nomad land where it's like uh, a character th- the the care the main character thinks they know what they want in life and when they have and when they get it they realize maybe that's not what they want and i think that that i, I like that parallel between both of those movies
0: that is unless john you have no dude, that's i mean you've Boom. said it all right, then that's after I don't know how long we're this episode or whatever episode number this is, but that's totally the huh. end of our... We're not done yet, <laughs> but this is the end of our top tens, and we're we just going to real quick uh, repeat our numbers, like just so you can remember exactly what we have. So let's do the same order. So Aiden, then Johnny, then John, then I will just say our 10 through 1 real quick. Okay. Uh,
1: number 10 was uh black bear number 9 was mank number 8 was <laughs> <laughs> oh uh american pickle number 7 was possessor number 6 was mangrove number 5 was ammonite number 4 was vast of night number 3 was nomad land number 2 was trial of the chicago 7 and number 1 was soul
3: uh for me 10 to 1 uh 10 was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. 9, Boy's State. 8, Kaithi. 7, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. 6, Get Duked. 5, Bad Education. 4, Minari. 3, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. 2, Promising Young Woman. And 1, The Kid Detective.
2: My number 10 was Sound of Metal. Number 9, Possessor. 7, One Night in Miami. 6, First Cow. Oh, eight. Man, look at me. I can't count. What was number eight? Oh, yeah. Nomadland. Um, And then seven comes in with... God, these things are stuck together.
0: One Night in Miami, right?
2: Yep. Seven was... God damn it. Seven, (laughs) One Night in Miami. Six, First Cow... Five, Wolfwalkers, four, Mangrove, three, Vast of Night, two, Tenet, and one, Another Round.
0: And mine, I was uh, 10, Possessor, nine, Promising Young Woman, eight, Soul, seven, One Night in Miami, six, Lover's Rock, Five Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number four was Palm Springs. Number three was The Vast of Night. Number two, Another Round. And my number one was Sound of Metal. Um, and we just have a few more things to go. We're going to do honorable mentions uh, that we had. Honestly, I, since I'm talking, I'll just fucking go through mine real quick. Uh, I don't know if this film... Even is out besides just the film festival, but it was Apples, um, a movie that's from a Greek director that honestly just feels like the proje of Yorgos Lanthimos about people who are just, for some reason, losing their memory um, and unexpectedly and unexplained. Um, but it's very good, and I think it, like, has uh, – talks about, like, stuff – I won't – yeah. Uh, Dick Johnson is dead. Uh great documentary on Netflix, The Invisible Man, HBO Max, great. Try the Chicago 7. I really enjoyed it. Um, Netflix, Boy State, Apple TV Plus, great. Wolf Walkers, Apple TV Plus, great. And then my last one is I think this was the eleven. It was mangrove, and that was as also on Amazon Prime. Johnny?
3: Um let me see. I got a few here. The Vast of Night, Black Bear, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Survival Skills, Defy Bloods, Possessor, Soul, The Invisible Man, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. I don't care. Uh, uh, Lovers Rock um spree uh which is a taxi driver for the digital age as i'm sure some hack comedian probably called it uh scare me which is a very interesting movie it's a shutter exclusive uh imagine if like middle ditch and schwartz was a horror movie (laughs) is
4: how i would describe (laughs) it
3: um and uh this is like my number 11. It was almost in my top 10. Uh, Baccarat, which I think Aiden recommended. Um, I've been meaning to watch for a long time, and I watched it today. Uh, it's this it Brazilian film. It's a, a sci-fi movie. It's a, it's like the most dangerous game. It's also like a Western uh, kind of a horror movie. So many things. Uh, I might talk about it in like a mini-sode on my podcast someday because I have so many thoughts. But that's that's all I have for today.
0: Aiden?
1: So I, I rate things out of um, ten on my personal list instead of Letterbox. So like my sevens were Onward, Over the Moon, Kajillionaire. Seven and a halfs were Kid Detective, Survival Skills, Phineas and Ferb movie, Candace Against the Universe. Shut up, it was great. Wolf Walkers, On the Rocks, Freaky. I'm thinking of ending things. Boys State, My Rainey's Black Bottom, The Five Bloods survival skit okay um baccarat um bad education promising young woman never really sometimes always minari and then my number 11 the uh covid documentary totally under control
2: so black bear kid detective soul shithouse palm springs promising young woman minari and the invisible man
3: did anybody mention spontaneous in their (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, that was really close. Uh, yeah. That was I'd close. Put that, in there. that was good.
3: Yeah. Also, The Wretched and VFW. Forgot to drop those. <laughs> Is that
0: because we were so close? We're so close, gentlemen.
1: <laughs> we just have to pick the genre. Pick the genre. And pick fucking genre.
3: I'm so excited. I've heard this so many times. I've never seen it in person.
1: Can I ask you a question, John and Egwa? And can
4: can me and can me and Johnny
0: handle the genre? <laughs> can we handle the genre? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't even know if I can handle the knot in my stomach that's still slowly coming back, and I'm like, you fucking bitch, you better stay in there. Um, <laughs> let's
2: see uh, if we can handle. Let's see if we can handle next month's genre right now. That's right. Okay. Let's so, do this.
0: As normal, we have a little digital wheel that John's going to spin, and I'm pretty sure you already did take off romance from last month. You're goddamn right I did. Fuck yeah. And just as a reminder of what genres are left, we have animation, comedy, crime, drama, comic book movies, mystery slash thriller, sci-fi, and war films left, at least for this year of movies.
2: So John spin away. Let's see what's next. And we're spinning. We're spinning. We're spinning. We're spinning. We're spinning. Oh sh- the shit. What is it? I can't see it. It's drama.
1: Oh fuck social network It's bitches. drama. <laughs> oh my god. I want I to come on if begin. you guys do a movie.
3: <laughs> this is if <this laughs> you do a movie? Is that
0: a- <laughs> I don't even. This is. This is oh my god. John.
3: Yeah, it's so time. I don't I know mean,
0: how many parts it's or what how long this episode is, but social network. I, we're gonna have to be like we're gonna have to like whip ourselves to like. <laughs> not make that eight hours long. I, yeah, if you're listening to this, we've already talked. We've referenced maybe social network at least like small once every episode. Yeah, this is definitely happening. Um, and I'm trying to think because next February, yeah, February has four Tuesdays. I think March has five. So, yeah, it's gonna be definitely that, but. Great, we have the biggest genre out there, so of course, this won't be hard at all. Picking three more movies, yeah, of course, yeah,
2: (laughs) this is gonna be a blast,
1: yeah. Jimmy
0: Neutron, boy, genius. I
1: (laughs) cried at that movie as a kid when specifically when the kid who eats too much (laughs) cotton candy is like, he's crying, he's too (laughs) fat. He's like, I miss my mom and dad And my dad was at work And so I was like relating to him I was like, I do miss my dad And I was crying <laughs> at that part as a kid On the VHS copy <laughs>
3: Can I just say um, it was it was an honor to be here. I had a, a great time spending my entire afternoon and evening with you, gentlemen. And uh, I, I would yeah. love to do, I would love to do it again sometime. And I can't wait to hear this when it's truncated into an hour long
2: podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah!
1: Hell yeah! <laughs> it's just listing us listing the movies. No explanation. This this shit was fun. It was fun. This, yeah. this was.
0: Thank you both for being here. Uh of by course. the way, this yeah, is Thank you. Is very fun. Um very long but very fun. It's like Seven Samurai. <laughs> it was all good. It was all worth it. This
3: podcast was all longer right. than the seven, than Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh johnny mockney uh this amazing man you can follow his podcast we are movies anywhere podcasting are found found he has a page for that obviously we'll have links in the description for everything below um great podcast very fun i think you're on your 65th 67th episode i have the 68th just came out actually
1: boom what are you gonna do your next episode, you gotta For, make it
0: special. Oh, I gotta think about it. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, great podcast, really great guy. I've been on there now twice. Uh, love it, love it. Um, you can follow Johnny himself at Instagram on Instagram and Twitter and letterbox at Johnny Mockney. Those are all together, M O C N Y. Aiden Supple, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Aiden Supple, uh, and then you can follow him on Letterbox at Aiden Six Nineteen. John, where can people follow you?
2: You can hit me up on my
0: Letterbox at Johnny Octagon Ninety Nine. And you can follow me also on Letterboxd. The whole crew is at Letterboxd, and I'm on Letterboxd at Indagua45. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at IndaguaMcLeod. And you can follow the show at CantGenrePod on Instagram and Twitter. And also like our Facebook page. It's the full title, so you can know how to spell it already. And with that... Have a great 2021 experience. Goodbye, Donald Trump. Hello, new great year where everything, of course, has reset. And I guess we will see you next time.